This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Grage alongside, as always, King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Let's go. Championship audio. I'm ready. This is good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling good today. Weather's nice by me. Things are opening up. Restaurants are doing outdoor seating. Things are things are good, man. Oh, you're feeling good about that? Feeling good. I'm feeling a little all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still will not leave the house. I mean, I don't blame you. Yeah. People are very irresponsible. I'm at a point now where I'm like, fuck it, I don't care, so. Yeah, you you do you. I mean, I'm not gonna go there right away. I'm just yeah. It, it's nice that it's we've we've reached that step, but yeah, I'm I'm still probably gonna reel it in a little bit. And then again, I mean, there's a, a fucking atomic bomb that comes home to my house every single day, so it's like, you know, <laughs> atomic coronavirus bomb that walks into my house every day and sleeps in my bed. So it's whatever, you know. I listen. I know in your scenario, you know, absolutely. Like, what is there to fear at this yeah, point? Like, yeah, probably, yeah. It, it's you know, whatever. So. Um, you know, neither one of you have, 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 well, if one of you gets it, the other one's getting it. Yeah, for sure, sure, yeah. But uh, it's kind of encouraging that she's never picked it up and brought yeah, it Yeah, I don't know. She was kind of surprised. She did the, uh, last week, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but last week she did the, uh, she did the tests and she didn't, she tested negative for, for having it at the time, which is fine, that's perfect. But then she also tested negative for, like, the antibody test, and she was like, oh, fuck, like, uh-oh. <laughs> Do you need to deal with that, or that's uh, you can deal well, with that if you need to. I don't want to kill the mood. <laughs> We're live, baby. But that's my dog. Oh uh, no, the one that's struggling. Oh, She's no. uh, yeah. So oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was a kid. I, I'm no, much more sad no that it's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> no, no kids. She's um, she's having some seizures. Mm. So. Yeah, let me go poke my head in there. And yeah, go out. ahead. No, do that. Yeah, for sure. So you can I'll, set up the show. Absolutely. Right yeah, sorry. Well, that's that. So, yeah, if, if you guys don't know, Joe's uh, oldest dog is, is um, yeah, is having some issues right now. So, uh, terrible way to start the show, but hopefully uh, hopefully she's okay. And, yeah, Joe will, will find out uh, how that was going on there. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been an up and down week for, for, for Joe and, and, and his dog. Like, I know they had surgery on her earlier. They were thinking that was it. The surgery went well. And they're like, okay, cool, everything's good. And now I think a few days later, everything's kind of not that good anymore. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it's going to be okay there. But uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we have plenty to talk about today. Hopefully, we'll be able to get all that in. Uh, we get an update from Joe here. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, Double or Nothing, uh, the fallout from AEW's Double or Nothing pay per view. Uh, we did a full review of Double or Nothing on 
uh, the Voice of Wrestling flagship Patreon earlier this week. Uh, we did it right after the show, Instant Reaction, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. That will be our extensive review. I mean, we went two hours, something like that, uh, the, immediately after the show. That will be that review. When we're going to talk about here, we're going we're gonna to touch on it a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit more about the, the pay-per-view buy estimates. We'll talk a little bit about the fallout. We'll talk about a little bit about the Mike Tyson involvement and all that sort of stuff. If you want a deep two-hour review of every single match and every single thought on every single match that we had that is on patreon.com slash voices wrestling that is on the ten dollar tier instant reaction live uh to double or nothing again happened immediately after uh the show uh on on saturday so uh joe are you back yeah everything good well i mean you know relatively good yes (laughs) as as good as things can get the, the the dog um I may as well talk about. Yeah, it. I talked. I touched on it briefly, but yeah, go ahead if you want. You you can give some actual details. Um, this is the Chihuahua. This is Lexi. The uh, the the dogs that you've been hearing barking for years and years. Um, my two dogs, Lexi and Madeline, and, and Rich's two dogs, uh, barking on the show for years and years. This is my Chihuahua. She was a uh, a rescue. I got her in two thousand nine uh, when I first moved to Texas. I saw her. Um, I was on my way to uh, one of the first couple of nights I moved here, actually. I was on my way to a 2 o'clock in the morning Walmart trip. Oh, I thought you were going to say hookup. Well, that's all right. That's much better then. So. But I was engaged then. Oh, remember? that's right. Yes. Yeah, I forgot. You were the uh, – I was the, the, the swinging single and you were – not swinging single in quotes. But, yeah, and you were the uh, – family man engaged man over there i forgot about that yeah i you know i i was i was you know not to the woman i'm married to now but uh at the time but anyway i was on my way to a 2 a.m walmart trip because when you first move you're always missing something right right so you're constantly running the walmart to get fucking dish soap whatever the fuck um and i see this little creature in the road and cars swerving around it and holding down their horn and so I stop my car and I, I get out and I stop the traffic to see what's going on. And um, at first I, I thought it was a baby deer. I mean, cause that's what she looked like with the long snout and, and it just, you know, I picked her up, she was bloody and I picked her up and brought her to the sidewalk. And um, I happened to have a dog carrier in the back of my car for, you know, for the, for the Boston Terrier, Madeline. Uh, so I said, I'm going to throw her in the dog carrier. I'm not going to let this dog stay in the street and die. So I put her in the dog carrier, made my Walmart trip, and then uh, because I live basically on the campus of Texas A&M University, we have um, you know twenty four hour emergency vets um, that are you know with with because there's a vet school at the university, yeah, so oh, there's okay, always cool. yeah, yeah it, it, that's one of the big things they do at A&M is is both large animal and small animal vet. So I took her over to the to campus to one of the uh, you know. Uh, emergency vet gimmicks on, on the campus and um they examined her and you know she weighed i know it sounds unbelievable but she weighed like 1.8 pounds when i yeah. found her she was nothing literally but literal skin and bones one of her ears was missing and she had a broken jaw heartworms all kinds of problems they told me the broken jaw would cost about two grand to fix and um they said the other option was to leave the dog with them they put her in the pound but I asked if it was a kill shelter. They said it was. So if she wasn't adopted in a week, they were going to put her down. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, no one's adopting a dog that needs a $2,000 jaw surgery. So I couldn't let that happen. So I brought the dog home and brought the dog to my personal vet, 
not my vet because I'm a man, but my other, you know, my dog's vet, my, my the dog I already own. So I went to my own vet. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> Listen, you, you, you got to throw in some dry humor when you're talking about because right. because this, this it's, story, it's a thick subject. So, yeah, thank, thank you for that. But, yeah, unfortunately, this story gets grim. I'm not going to lie. Um, but my dog just had a seizure on the air. I'm going to explain it. Um, so I brought her to, to my personal vet and, uh, and they said, yeah, she did in fact have everything that the vet school diagnosed, but they felt in their opinion that the jaw would heal on its own without the surgery. So I thought that was great. And, you know, just with treatment. So, you know, I brought her home and I hand fed her and I, you know, um, uh, gave her, you know, her meds and, and, and everything. And I nursed her back to health, rich, her ear grew back. This dog's ear Holy grew shit. back. How does that happen? I don't know. And unbelievable. Her jaw healed. Look at that. 2009. You know, still nurse, going. Yeah. Still going somewhat strong, but give me a second. No, you're good. You're good, man. I, when you said rescue, I thought, you know, cause, cause Hans came from a rescue shelter and I thought that's what the story was going is I went to a shelter and, Picked out this dog. I didn't know you literally rescued this dog from death. That's incredible. I, I never knew that. I, I honestly never knew that story from you. Not take your time, man. That's that's. Hey, I'm, I'm the same way. It, it makes me anytime when you were talking earlier this week. I, I know. Yeah, it's obviously not you know, good reassuring for you, but it, it's one of those things where when you hear about something go, like when someone else is having an issue with their dog or their dog dies or whatever, I then. I mean, my guys just get fucking showered with love that day because I feel horrible about it. I think the entire time about, oh, my God, what's going to happen when they go away or whatever. So these dogs got like, you know, when I was hearing about Lexi, I was just like, all right, well, <laughs> you guys are getting treats. We're taking walks. I'm spending every minute with you guys. Like it was it, it's wild, even though, you know, Hans is five. <laughs> like, you know, I'm still like, oh, God, what's going to happen when Hans dies? So I, I get it, man. I, I, I'm with you. So. So uh, that was 11 years ago. Yeah, that's incredible. And. You know she's 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 old. Yeah. Was so. When, how old was she when you when you rescued her? Then do you do you guys well, know or you just kind of assume? It's an estimate. Yeah. She She's she's anywhere between twelve and fifteen. Right. Today. Right. Right. And, and when she's so you know, frail, when you get her, it's like who who knows? You know what I mean? Um. So, you know, about a month ago, she was having trouble walking, limping around, couldn't stand very well. So, um. It, but it went away, and you know we kept an eye on her. But then mm-hmm. she got real lethargic. We brought her in, and um, you know they gave her a surgery to uh, remove her uterus because she couldn't be spayed at the time that I rescued her for other health reasons. They thought it was too risky to spay her. But this is why it's important to spay your pets because years later, mm-hmm. there's a lot of problems associated with that. So she had an issue with the uterus now. Right. Male dogs get, yeah, if you're thinking about it and saying, oh, well, I don't want to, you know, it, it, yeah, f- female dogs will get, yeah, uterus issues and male dogs will get prostate issues a lot. So. And uh, so she had an infected uh, uterus and, and they, they, they thought that was the problem. So we, you know, it was a risk because she's 15 years old to, sure. first of all, is 50-50 whether she wake up from putting her under. And even the surgery was a risk to kill her because the sur- the surgery was a risk to kill her when she was four years old because of other health issues. But the dog was going to die of this infection 
and die quickly and die painfully. So I had nothing to lose. For, I figured she, it's a no-brainer. We have to try the surgery. She's going to die anyway. So she had the surgery on, on Sunday. They, had, they said it, was, it had to be done that day. They didn't want to wait another day. So, you know, I kissed her goodbye and left her there, and yeah. she had the surgery, and she, she made it. She made it out of the that's surgery. That's awesome, though. Yeah, that's, you know, for whatever and, it's worth, that, that's, that's pretty incredible. But this is where it gets grim. This, this doesn't have a happy ending. Yeah. So she was okay for half a day and then right back to the same symptoms. And, you know, we got the lab results back and she's got cancer. So, um, you know, it's going to kill her. And I could bring her to the oncologist and, you know, maybe opt for chemo. Mm-hmm. But, and we're mulling it. Yeah, my um, not 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 to interrupt, but yeah, my buddy's dog, who's three, um, just got um, just got diagnosed with lymphoma, like a dog, whatever sort of form of lymphoma. She, it, it's a boxer, and apparently boxers have it a lot or whatever. And um, she told me how much it was going to cost to do it, and I was just like, oh wow. And then you know, I, I told Michelle that, and she goes, oh geez, like what if if Louis and Hans got that? Would you pay that <laughs> to get them? You know, chemo, and I'm like. Yeah, I would. She's like, it's like $5,000. And I'm like, I know, but I'm dumb like that. I probably would. So I get it. I get why you're thinking, oh, man, you know, let's think about this. Maybe it's worth it. Like, it's it's tough well, to I say even, no. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to say it's, no. Uh, we haven't even brought her to the oncologist yet. And it, it, it's, it's obviously, um, you know, I did a lot of reading and a lot of research and asked a lot of questions to the vet and, um, you know, since her problems started, her problems walking started a month ago. Uh, you know, she may, she's probably had this for at least a month and, sure. and, and the life, the diagnosis for a dog with lymphoma is about three or four weeks mm-hmm. untreated. So she's probably late stage anyway. I mean, I could bring her to the oncologist and they could tell me what I already know that she's late stage and there's not much they can do and she's going to die. Um, I mean, if you catch it early and the chemo works, you can give them an extra six months to a year. Right, right, right. This is not catching it early, you know. We and and um, the odds are that her body is riddled with this cancer, and the chemo is not going to do much anyway. And um, I don't care about the cost, but it's it's not going to do much anyway. And um, so now it's just a matter of keeping her comfortable and. Um, but the last couple of days have been pretty rough because she's having these seizures. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, everybody just had to hear one. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a terrible sound. And I, I don't want to get into details, but she comes down from them. And then she's okay for a while, yeah. you know, and then. Well, it's hard to watch. No, I yeah, and seeing the dog in pain. But I mean, if if there's any any silver lining to it, which I I, I know is, is is not good. But yeah, I mean, eleven years. I mean, she could have died on the side of that road there that day. She could have gotten run over. You could have said, ah, you know what? I don't want two thousand dollars for a jaw surgery. Leave her here. And she could have died that day. You know what I mean? So that that's that's one positive. You gave her eleven years of 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 good times and 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 a good family and a good home and 
you know, kids now and, and, you know, wife and all that sort of stuff. So that's any, any bit of silver lining she can do, but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, man. I know. I, uh, I think about it all the time. Unfortunately, you talk about, you know, you talk about how, how you think about your death all the time. Like for, I, I don't, I'm not the same way. Like, I don't really care about my death, but the death of my dog, I think about like literally every day, every single day I think about it, of like how I'm going to react, what I'm going to do, you know, how I, it, it's just, yeah, it's fucking, it's terrible. It's awful. So yeah, it's family, man. Like, you know, some people say, oh, it's not dog. Who cares? It's like, ah, fuck off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, unless you have one or you, you've lived through it, I, I don't know how anybody could own a dog and, and. Or own any sort of pet. Cats apply as well. Any any pet, and, and just think, oh, it's uh, it's just a pet or whatever. Like, no, it's fucking part of your family, man. Like, you're with them every day, <laughs> every hour of every day. They're there. You know, they're there through your life cycles. You think about moments of your life that they were there for. You know, things that happened in your life, and they were there, and how they really. You know, you're talking about the date. You know, you're moving to Texas, and here you go. You find her. You know what I mean? Like, that's always going to be linked to you moving to Texas. Is is her and stuff? So, yeah, yeah. It's family. Uh, well, they're family, man. They're 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 important. When I left her there for the surgery, uh, I went home, and I didn't think she was going to make it because of her age and all the risks. And uh, I went in my backyard, and I dug a grave. And um, it was raining, and I'm out there digging a hole, and I'm crying. You know, and, and Brittany came out there and dragged me back in the house, and and then she made it out. So it's just such... A range of emotions right. every day, but you know the the lab results weren't good, and this is where this is it is what it is now. So, um, you know, I'm she's sitting right here. I don't leave the room, so that's why you guys heard it. And you might hear it again. I don't that's know. Fine. I I don't care. <laughs> I don't think our listeners give a shit either. Um, you know, yeah, so but, no, uh, no need to apologize about that. It's it's not I would say nobody's fault that that's happening, and yeah, it's 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 awful. But hopefully, hopefully I just like, don't. Yeah, Go, I don't oh, want to leave her. I don't want to leave her in an empty room. No, so. I, I get it. Yeah, no, I'd be with the. I'd be with them twenty four seven too, just because you never know. Now, some people, you know, it's just a dog. I get it, but not for me. I you know, so I just giving her meds every day and feeding her by hand and doing whatever I can and just hanging out with her. Yeah. Giving her those last, you know, however long it's going to last. If it's a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever, just giving her a good, good, you know, well, spend as much time I, with her as you can. I just want to get the Barry and some wrestling, but, um, it just started off with me feeding her by hand and it'll end with me feeding her by hand. Right. Yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. So, Whenever you're so, ready, yeah. Whenever you're ready to talk about wrestling, I'm not going to be the one that transitions it into wrestling. So you, you, you. Whenever you're ready, you, you take I, this it away. Is, but. This is not good radio. For people. <laughs> I that. Yeah. I just want to, you know, bury something and and move on. I mean, I guess uh, I there's no there's no way to not have an awkward transition. Yeah, that's all right. I'm going to let you do it. I'm not going. to. All right, Joe. Well. I wasn't. Let's I wasn't talking about Mike Tyson. <laughs> I wasn't planning this. It just happened, and uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, definitely not on the run sheet, I, unfortunately. So. so, let's do some AEW. Let's talk about it. Okay, um, AEW double. I'm, I'm sorry to put you in this position. Uh, no, too. you're fu- no, no, dude. It's been like I said. It, it happened 
a lot this week. It was the same day that you talked you you were telling us about Lexi is the same day my buddy texted me and said, Hey, by the way, Arkham has like six months to live, maybe because he has lymphoma. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, he's like three. How's that possible? And it, yeah, it was it was yeah. So like I said, the, the plus side was my dog's got an ungodly amount of love this entire week because of all, all the issues. So uh, and hopefully you guys do the same now uh, after 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 knowing that the time their time on this world, your pet, your cat, whatever, your time in this world is limited. So spend as much time with them. And th- 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 I guess it's true of humans too, but <laughs> I don't know much. I, I know more about dog interactions than human interactions. So that's why I do this stupid dumb podcast for three hours a week anyway. All right, let's get to um let's get to double or nothing. Uh as we said. Uh, we covered it uh, in extensive detail on the Instant Reaction Show, uh, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon, patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling there. That was immediately after the show on Saturday. So, again, we are not going to go match by match. We're not going to talk about every single match and give our details. We did two hours of that immediately after the show. Most of what we're going to talk about here is kind of the fallout from Double or Nothing, what our thoughts were, you know, a, a few days out, uh, reactions to the Dynamite, and then also... And this, I guess, is what we'll start out with, because I think that's a pretty interesting uh, note. This came from this week's uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter, uh, and it's something that we had touched on a few weeks ago, and we had touched on even in our preview as well, and it was kind of the real discussion around Double or Nothing was going to be the business end uh, of it, with, you know, ratings plummeting, you know, in, in live event for WWE and AEW, you know, you know people having issues kind of getting to those, those pre-COVID numbers or whatever. Uh, it looks like Double or Nothing pay-per-view buy estimates, pretty good. So this is from The Observer again. Uh, quote, streaming numbers from BR Live in the U.S. and Fight for International Markets both ended up more than 10% up from the 229 Revolution show and may end up closer to 15% up, which is tracking to be the second highest number in company history behind only the first Double or Nothing show at about 100,000 to 110,000 buys. Uh, the cable buys for Revolution are still only estimated, yada, yada, okay, because it takes a little while to get the numbers, that's, that's fine. Um... I'll get to the meat and potatoes part here. Uh, if cable holds up similarly, this would indicate 115 to 200,000 buys, which would equal to or slightly beat the final numbers for the first Double or Nothing show. So, Joe, what, what do you make of those numbers there that David said? And again, these are all kind of estimates. All we have right now is BR Live and Fight. But he's sort of saying, hey, if BR Live and Fight were this for Revolution and this for all the other shows, we can kind of, if cable holds up similar to how it did in those other ones, we can kind of then sense that this is probably the buy number. Uh, for this, but it looks like at at the very least hundred thousand plus, somewhere between a hundred and hundred twenty thousand potentially there uh, for buys for double or nothing. So, what, what do you make of that news? Because it's kind of about what we predicted would 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 probably happen, or we kind of assumed would likely happen. You know, based off you know people, you know, the, the feedback was all oh, the fifty dollar buy, people aren't going to do that, or you know, and and I was maybe a little, I was a little, more, I, I, I was. A little more pessimistic, I thought maybe they were going to drop a little bit, whereas you kind of thought they'd either do the same or just about the same. So what, what do you think uh, of these numbers here, the 100,000 to 120,000 uh, buys for Double or Nothing as the estimates? Well, before you got into that Observer stuff, there was never a better time for uh, awkward, uncomfortable, Rich Creech uh, stumbling transition. <laughs> it's so hard. What so do I do? You. So thank you for that. Um, I have no idea how to go from... As I can gather myself... Um, but yeah, so I hadn't read the Observer yet or that report that you just read. But it, tell me if I'm understanding this right. It sounds like the uh, streaming trends on BR Live and Fight are up 10 to 15%. Correct. The, the pay-per-view trends we don't know yet. And if they match the streaming trends, then the show is going to be slightly up from the last couple of pay-per-views. And only trail the first double or nothing. So do I have that 
did I understand what you exactly. were saying? Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. And okay. that's what Dave's sort of assuming there is that if the streaming numbers tend to 15% up, we have to assume given that the streaming, like if BR Live was 20 bucks and the pay-per-view was 50 or 60 or whatever, then it'd be like, ah, oh, I don't know, maybe that's not the same. But they're, you know, they're the same, you know, price point for, for the most part. So yeah, you can kind of, I, I think somewhat safely assume that if, A, if there's more interest and more people are buying on BR Live and Fight, then there's a pretty good chance the cable buys are either trending exactly the same way or maybe even slightly up uh, as well. But yeah, Dave's sort of assuming, based off the streaming numbers being 10 to 15% up, that the cable are probably going to hold up similarly, which will get us up to somewhere around 115 to 120,000 uh, buys. But again, we don't know. We won't have those final numbers for quite a while. Uh, so yeah, nothing to snap me out of the doldrums like a good victory lap, right? I mean... Um, I, I felt like the show, I felt like those AW pay-per-view buyers would be there uh, regardless of the circumstance, all the other circumstances we talked about. And they were, and possibly in greater numbers than last time. So um, I think what this also means when you combine this with the UFC show from two weeks earlier is we can completely put to bed this idea that uh, that that the COVID is uh, – is 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 going to hurt pay-per-view moving forward if 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 pay-per-views do poorly moving forward it's because they weren't promoted well and people didn't want to see them i mean that's we've got two pieces of evidence here with the ufc show and now potentially this show doing above and beyond what anybody thought i mean look i was just predicting the same hundred they always do and this could come in about 15 to 20 percent higher yeah so um just a tremendous job, and I, I do think you have to credit the Inner Circle Elite match, which was clearly the money match. I mean, we said that last week coming in. Um, they closed the show with it, not just because I think you had to because it was a cinematic match, but because I really do believe it was the money match on the show anyway, and we talked about that last week. So, uh, yeah, they have to be thrilled, and this is a massive success. I never bought the idea that they would do 50,000 or less, but it wouldn't have shocked me if they did less than their usual figures, even though, you know, I predicted a hundred thousand. So, um, and I, I agree with the, with the hypothesis here that if the streaming is up, there's no reason to think the pay-per-view wouldn't be up. So, um, and even if the pay-per-view is down a little, which would be unusual to buck the trend of the streaming, they're still going to do around those hundred thousand buys that they that they normally do so um at this point you have to chalk up the pay-per-view as a success we learned something here we we learned uh you know the effects of the covid and the empty arena wrestling on an AEW pay-per-view which um looked to be nothing the, the effects looked to be nothing um and we didn't know that coming in but now we know that we know that that isn't a viable excuse if the next one tanks you know presuming the situation is relatively similar to as it is now, unless things get drastically worse and we're looking at something catastrophic, like 75% unemployment rates or something. You can't blame any of this on a poor number anymore because they proved that uh, it really doesn't have any effect. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing as well is, and, and, you know, we discussed this before and again, another kind of nod to the, the price point argument that, that a lot of people, 
um, always bring up, and yet many times throughout history has been proven wrong. I mean, I, I get why people think that, hey, well, if it's, you know, $20, more people are going to buy it than if it's $30 or whatever. And yeah, that makes sense on its face. Like that absolutely, yes, it would it would stand a reason that if you're, if you're giving something that's maybe not up to your normal standards that you should make the price lower or you should do whatever, but like it never holds up in a business sense. It is never, and, and you know, we brought up in your houses and people said, oh, well, that's that was 20 years ago. We brought up boxing. Oh, that's boxing. That doesn't matter. We, anytime you bring anything up, it's like, no, guys, listen, like people will pay it. The hardcore fans, if they are fans of a product, they will pay whatever they want to watch that product. If they feel that that product is worth whatever amount of money they are, they want to watch it, they will pay for it. They'll pay for it if it's 50 and they'll pay for it if it's 20 and, and, and making it, you know, 20 or $30 is not enough to attract the people that aren't interested into buying it. The people that aren't interested are not interested and they're not going to watch even if it's $20 or $30 and people that are interested are going to pay whatever you tell them to pay within reason. For boxing, fuck, people pay a hundred bucks for a boxing pay-per-view. So the within reason thing, it seems a little silly at, at point two because you see some of these pay-per-views, some of these boxing pay-per-views that do as well as they do. But again, time and time again, in wrestling history, in sports history, in boxing history, we've seen that that price point argument never quite holds up to scrutiny because it's like, you know, yeah, on its face, again, like I said, it makes sense. You would you would absolutely believe that, hey, well, you're going to get more buys if you make a 20 instead of 50, but it doesn't hold up that way. And and the, and the price difference doesn't make up for the loss of buys that, that you do. So you may as well just go with a higher price point or, or whatever. But, yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting to have that happen again, you know, in, in this case, a double or nothing. And, and I'm glad we at least saw uh, evidence of it for, for, um, for AW. Well, even if you do do more buys at, say, half the price at 20 or 25, even if you increase your buys, at that point, you have to double them to make that money back. And I don't think they would do double at that price point. God, no, I, no. I, no. I, I mean, so it doesn't make any sense. These arguments that it should be cheaper, that's another argument that now needs to be thrown right out the window. And you can't take anyone seriously who makes that argument because they then have to prove to me, okay, well, you know, where where is your evidence that twice as many people are now going to buy these pay per views if they're twenty dollars? Because I don't see that at all. Um, like you're saying, you might not even do it. Might you might not even get more buys out of it? But even if you do, you're not going to get a hundred percent more. You're not going to double. So uh, no, they, they should not. You know that would have been a huge mistake to make the pay per view cheaper. Um, they've set their price point. And I think it's a fair price point, and I think they need to stick to it. Uh, and I don't think they should have lowered it simply for the COVID or the empty arena. And actually, and we now have our results that prove that to be correct. I mean, there's just no argument to lower it at this point. So now, if you want to do BR Live mini pay-per-views or something on HBO Max or something like that and price them at $20 with the understanding that these are not quite pay-per-view caliber quality shows, they're more... Uh, takeover quality or clash of the champions, whatever analogy you want to make something a little stronger than TV, but not quite as strong as your best matches that you would do on pay-per-view. And you want to sell those for 15 or 20 bucks. I'm on board because I honestly think that there's room for AEW to squeeze a little bit more money out of people. That probably sounds harsher coming out of my mouth than it, than it meant to be, but the idea being, I no, think they're a business. Can... I mean, <laughs> I mean, they're a business. And they make money, so you know. Yeah, whatever. I wasn't trying to sound like Scrooge McDuck. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I, I, I think that the the hardcore AEW base would be willing to pay for more products, and I don't think the answer is more fifty dollars pay per views. I wouldn't go to monthly pay per views. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree for right now. 
that's too much. You know, I wouldn't do that or even bi-monthly. But if you want to squeeze in, like, I don't, what is this fighter fest going to be? It, it, we don't, we don't, we still don't know, right? We don't know. Yeah, we have no details on, on anything going on with that. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd imagine that is maybe more of what you're talking about, more of the kind of not so premium uh, discounted. But I'm not, I, I, I'm not positive of that either. Yeah, we don't know quite yet. Yeah, so it's either going to be a TV special, some, you know, hybrid pay-per-view deal on one of their partners, or it's going to be a pay-per-view. I, I, I don't, I would not go to the, I think four pay-per-views a year for them is perfect. Maybe you can stretch it to five, but I would not go to six and I definitely would not go to 12. I would not go monthly, but you want to do something for 15, 20 bucks on one of your partner sites. I actually think that's a good idea. And I think a lot of people would pay for them. Mm -hmm. So, and that might be what fighter fest is. They were doing a lot of advertising for HBO max on on uh, dynamite. Um, you know, maybe Fighter Fest is something that event or, or these Fighter Fest type shows will be something that are eventually exclusively on HBO Max, and you know they cut a deal uh, from that perspective, and, and you don't pay extra for it; you just have to have the service. Um, I don't know. These are all, you know, they've been hinting around at something with HBO from the very start. If you go back and listen to uh, quotes that they've given to the media and things of that nature, so. Um, did I just pull a, uh, just pull a Stephen F. Smith with the things of that nature? Did, just, <laughs> did you know, HBO, HBO Max, things, things of that, of that nature. nature, you know. Crab Rangoon, things of that nature. That's one of the best <laughs> tweets of all time. that you think. Yeah. That they would get less uh, by. <laughs> <laughs> things of that nature. Yeah, so, um, you know, you get what I'm saying, though. So we, we don't know what that is, but I, I think that there's room for that in the market more so than trying to get $50 out of everybody every month. Right. And, and, you know, <laughs> the interesting thing though is, and, and it might, it, it might become that as well. It, it, we might follow the exact same path that WWF and WCW did and all those other companies did. I, again, I'm with you. I'd keep the premium pay-per-views premium, keep them at 50 bucks, but then also, yeah, really, really, really like less than those other shows. And if you're going to are going to do other shows less than the price, but like, again, it, it, it kind of falls into that same fallacy that it, it like, and, and WF and WCW went through the same thing. I think, you know, the quote from Zane Breslov was like that, you know, and he said, he even, he even said it with ticket sales as well is that, you know, when we would discount tickets, people would buy less, but then when we made them more expensive, more people bought them. And it's like, what are you doing? Well, they, they, well there's a definite, there's a definite theory and it's kind of been proven over time that people will see something as a premium product right. the more you charge for it. Exactly. And, and it's so like Zane Brazoff was like, we wanted to charge five dollars because we wanted people in the building and people would stop coming when we charge five dollars and then we charge fifty and then they started coming. And it's like what? Yeah, because it, <laughs> and it's the opposite. There, there's a mental aspect to the opposite too. You see it if something is priced super low, you see it as discount or cheap or not worth your time or money because uh whoever's selling it doesn't even value it. So there's a lot of psychology human psychology that goes into this stuff too, that you're going back, what, 25 years for your example. So it's not like these are new theories. These right, are theories right, right. that 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 people in the entertainment business have had for a very long time. It's just, it's that thing too, where whenever pro wrestling tries to do a free show, it's, they find it oddly difficult to get people to come, even though it here, you can just come for free. It, but it, it, But it's like people see it as worthless if you're not charging for it or you're not charging enough for it. But uh, hopefully these arguments are put to bed forever in terms of 
cutting the price of the pay-per-view or, or, or this and that. It's just – it just doesn't hold up. Like you said earlier, it does not hold up to scrutiny. Now, what do you think of the theory? Because AEW shows increasingly don't even feel like empty arena shows anymore. I mean, there's legitimate atmosphere at these shows. Oh, absolutely. You know, I have a buddy who, who hasn't watched any of the Empty Arena stuff, hasn't watched any episode of Dynamite, and he said, hey, should I order Double or Nothing tonight? I said, yeah, why not? Why? You know, he said, I have nothing to do. I'll order it. So he ordered it. The first thing he said, he goes, holy shit, I can't even tell that there's nobody there. And I said, well, you know, there's people around the... And the entire time he said, man, this atmosphere, it feels like a live show. Like, I, I, I forget halfway through. And that's, you know, I've felt that way for a while. But I thought it was really interesting to see him, who, you know, somebody who hasn't watched this in weeks or hasn't watched it in months, you know, watched WrestleMania, watched a little bit of the WWE Empty Arena stuff, just like super happy and, and, and super excited about how it, it, it looked and felt or whatever and couldn't stop remarking about how it did feel like there was people there. It did not feel like an Empty Arena match and, and, or Empty Arena show. And I absolutely agree. 100% agree. Yeah. So do you th- so do you think that that sort of helps because that would run counter to the argument of maybe there what I'm trying to get at is maybe people aren't willing to pay $50 for dry ass stale empty arena wrestling but did AEW overcome that by creating an atmosphere that makes it feel like it isn't empty arena right right maybe because Tony Khan has been slipping more and more people into that building each week to the point now with these they're basically limited capacity shows when you see that camera pan around on Dynamite, there are sections of that building where there's like 50 to 100 people. And plus the wrestlers at ringside. So maybe if it was true empty arena, it wouldn't have done the business it did. But by creating that atmosphere, and they were first they, – were they the first to put wrestlers at ringside? I can't remember. Uh, I think uh, – I want to say Dragon Gate maybe was, but I don't know if that's actually true if Dragon Gate was the first. It was all around the it, same but. time. I, I feel like it was AEW. Um, but it, at any rate, you know, they've been quietly sneaking more people into the building and, and helping to create this atmosphere in the run-up to the pay-per-view. And I think maybe that helped too where people were like the atmosphere – relative to other wrestling does not feel terrible at all when you watch dynamite or this pay-per-view it actually comes off somewhat i mean you know lively in a way you know relatively speaking to the situation that we're in so um you know i think they've been a good test case as to what sort of like uh you know uh, limited capacity wrestling is going to feel like. We already have it with AEW. They've been doing it, and nobody's stopping them, so they just keep doing it. Um, but, I, I, you know, it's just interesting because maybe that helped as well. And maybe empty arena wrestling would have bombed. Um, but because they improved their atmosphere, you know, people were more into the idea of buying. Um, I don't know, just the theory. But also one other thing Dave noted I wanted to bring up before we move on was – you know, he said the cable buys for Revolution are still only estimated until the final numbers are to come in at some point in the next few weeks. And that's important to note, too, because we were told the same thing uh, by someone inside AEW. And, you know, this idea that when people throw out number estimates a day or two after the pay-per-view, they really – you got to take it with a grain of salt because they're still getting – they still don't have all the data from Revolution internally in the company. They don't know how many people right, bought that's Revolution. Mid February, right? Was 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 yeah, or no, late February, like February 29th or whatever. So yeah, that's a long yeah. time ago. Jesus, sounds like a half a year ago that that shit happened. They don't know 
the number we were given, they don't they don't know all of their pay per view buys until ninety plus days out. So you can do what Meltzer does because he's been doing it for well, you know, forty years, thirty years. When was the first wrestling? When was WrestleMania two? I guess thirty years, yeah. thirty five, almost forty years ago. Eighty six, well, yeah, eighty six, right? Forty years ago would be nineteen eighty. So more like about. So he's been doing pay per view estimates for like thirty five years, and he's very good at it. And you know all you know all he's doing here is taking how much they were up on the streaming and extrapolating that to the pay per view to come up with that estimate. But anyone who claims that they have hard number estimates based on you know counting up the buys is a liar because internally in the company they can't even do that. Revolution they don't even have all their numbers yet. So that's an important thing to remember too. And Meltzer's always pretty open with how he comes up with his numbers. You know, he laid out all the math here. He's just basing it on the streaming being up 10 to 15%. So um, now, so let's talk about, now I think we both agree that Inner Circle versus Elite was the big drawing match on the card. But Mike Tyson was advertised for this card. There was a lot of debate in the run-up over how much he was going to affect the buy rate, his presence or whatnot, and whether that was even the end game of AEW. And whether they see the Tyson thing more as getting them mainstream attention that they don't get because WWE just dominates that, you know, portion of the market in terms of getting mainstream attention from your ESPNs and your news outlets and whatnot. And that maybe Mike Tyson could give them a little bit of attention in places they wouldn't normally get it. Um, So we look at what we know. We know the pay-per-view did at least as well as they usually do, possibly better. And that Tyson was advertised for the pay-per-view. You want to give him some credit for that or you don't want to give him credit for that. Let's set that aside for now. We know that his segment with Chris Jericho on Dynamite has done millions of YouTube views. Millions. Uh, I believe blowing away anything else that AEW has done on YouTube. uh, At least in that short amount of time. Um, Because it had millions of views the next day. We also now know that the television segment with Jericho I think lost 35,000 viewers. Which was very surprising to me. It's the first Chris Jericho segment, I believe, to lose viewers in the history of Dynamite. All of his other segments, all of his other quarter hours have grown in viewership. This was the first one to lose viewers. Mm -hmm. And NXT grew by almost the same amount. It was, you know, slightly, they weren't identical figures. Uh, So we have a lot of, and, and, you know, uh, just from a, um, just from a, you know, uh, hypothetical, not hypothetical, but just from a uh, anecdotal standpoint, the Tyson thing has garnered some mainstream attention in some various places. You just can't put a number on that sort of thing. So when you look at all this, it's kind of a mixed bag. But at the same time, I saw a very good point made by uh, um, I want to give him credit. Uh, the the one of the coasts of RBR uh, radio. Uh, I think I William. Think I, th- I believe it was William, wasn't it? William. Oh yeah, right. William from so. RBR. He made a great point that you got to remember that Mike Tyson didn't show up until there were only two minutes left in that quarter hour. And the majority of that quarter hour was the inner circle comedy routine. Right. Which let's be honest, like if it, you know, and a lot of fans are this way as well. And I'd be this way, you know, too. I wasn't watching live, but I would have been the same way Is if I'm presented a really interesting, well-built pro wrestling match inside of a cage on one show or a bunch of guys talking in the ring on another show. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to the cage match. I don't know about you. I don't know about most other people, but it looks like a lot of people thought the same thing too. 
Well, let me pose that question to you. Do you think that the fight pit beat Tyson, or do you think the fight pit beat inner circle comedy routine number six on the show? Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe both. I think... It's a fair question. Right. I think probably beat the inner circle party, but I can't say definitively if it if it did or not. I mean, I think what we'd have to see at some point is another Tyson segment that is maybe maybe even advertised. Hey, Mike Tyson is coming out next. Okay, now we know that this quarter hour begins with Mike Tyson, and then here's whatever it is on NXT or whatever, or hopefully something uh, decent on NXT, and then we could see the relation there and say, okay, well, this is now a trend that that maybe it wasn't only the you know the inner circle party thing, and it was actually Mike Tyson that sent people away. But no, that's a really, really great point by him, because I'd probably be the same way if I was watching live. I'm, I'm good. Like Unless I know that Mike Tyson's coming out, unless I know for a fact that that's going to happen, and even then I might bounce back and forth, but I'm, I'm going to be hooked by that fight pit match and i'm watching that fight pit match because that's a wrestling match versus a bunch of guys in the ring fucking around that's where i tend to you know give my you know wrestling you know mind to is is, is a, the fight versus a, a bunch of talking so a well-built match with a new interesting concept yeah that... oh it looks great it looked great yeah the fucking fight pit looked great it had been well built like yeah if you if you keep one eye on, on nxt it's gonna be very hard to uh you know try to jump over or try to beat that with anything i mean that was that and, was must-see television for sure and oh by the way the match ruled so it's not like the fight pit started and then it was like, eh, this kind of sucks. Let me see what's going on. I feel like if you switched over to the fight pit because you just had no interest in in the zany antics of Inner Circle for the fifth time on the show, that you weren't going to switch back because the fight pit was very compelling. I mean, the fight pit was a great match and it was great in a way that um, WWE rarely is in that they don't really do that style of match very often. So... um Maybe just give credit to NXT for building the match over the course of three weeks, having a well-built match with an interesting stipulation in a brand new environment that no one's ever seen. And, and people were interested in it more than they were interested in either the inner circles antics or Mike Tyson. Um, and, and maybe that doesn't even say, maybe that doesn't even run counter to the idea that people are interested in Tyson or Tyson versus Jericho, because all the other indicators say that they are, with the exception of that quarter hour, maybe just says they happen to be more interested in this thing that NXT was doing in that moment. Because uh, because at this point, I think well over 2 million people have watched a YouTube clip. And you don't want to go crazy with YouTube clips, but I think there's a distinct difference between a bunch of people in India watching a YouTube clip of Kavita Devi when you know damn well that's never going to convert to dollars. (laughs) Or a bunch of people in Saudi Arabia watching beyond YouTube clips of intergender matches where you know that's not going to convert to any dollars. Where, okay, it's not a bad thing that stuff like that gets a bunch of YouTube views, but it also doesn't really mean a ton for business. Okay? This is a little different, I think, in that you you have – the whole purpose of bringing Mike Tyson in is to get that sort of attention right. and to get people to watch the YouTube clip and then hopefully convert them into watching the show next week or whatnot. So I think there's a slight difference there too. I'm not going to overrate the value of the YouTube clip in a vacuum, but the whole purpose of bringing Tyson in and doing that angle was to pop the YouTube clip and get people who you know, okay, we're not going to get non-fans or a ton of casual fans to, to sit down and watch our two-hour wrestling show right now. But what we can get them to do is see what Mike Tyson did on the pro wrestling show. And then maybe they'll come next week to see what Mike Tyson did again 
or maybe they're intrigued by all this and will either watch or pay or whatever to see Mike Tyson fight Chris Jericho. So I do think there's a difference there. And I do think that it is a good sign that the YouTube clip did monster numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm, and we'll, we could talk about the segment if you want to know, you touched on it a little bit on the, um, you know, the TV reviews this week, but like, I didn't, I, I wasn't in love with this segment. I didn't really like it all that much. I'm kind of, I, I, I like, but, but with that said, regardless of what I think or whatever, we're not, we're not talking about that right now. What I do know though, is that I would do the same thing if I was presented the same thing as well. If, if, if Turner or whoever, or your people called Mike Tyson, people, whatever. And the idea is, Hey, we can bring Mike Tyson in. Do you do it? Or you do not do it. I'm a hundred percent on the do it for sure. Because, you go to ESPN right now, type in Mike Tyson in Google. The first result is, you know, Mike Tyson and, and, and Henry Cujudo. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. Exactly. I don't, yeah. I yeah. Yet, Cujudo, but, yeah. Yeah. Is, 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 and which is a cool thing too. That's a nice boon as well. They got him in there. They shouldn't uh, completely you know, let that go either, but it says, you know, Mike Tyson, and Henry Cujudo invade, you know, pro wrestling show and you click it and it's a video of it happening. All elite wrestling Thursdays on TNT or whatever, like that or the Wednesdays on TNT or whatever. That's what you're trying to go for. You're trying to go for that. So yeah, hundred percent. I'm doing it. I'm doing it for. So the let me stop you. Okay. So yeah, before we, before we talk about doing the match or not, do you think it's a win already then? I do. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, as far as the match goes, I, look, personally, I think if they do Jericho Tyson, and I think that they will, because I don't think you do this with the massive pull apart and then not do a match. I, I don't get the sense that Mid-South Tony would, would do this without having something at the end of the rainbow. I, I, I just don't get that sense. But I think if they do Jericho Tyson, if they do a match, my gut tells me it draws. Now, I don't know whether they'll do it as a TV match, um, um, you know, like we talked about earlier, maybe some kind of BR Live pay-per-view at a discounted rate, or try to hold it off for All Out, which would be risky, because, Rich, that's like three months away. And you just did the hot angle this week. How do you keep it hot until All Out? All Out is the next one, right? Yeah. Correct, yeah, September. I don't think you can wait until September. Okay, so this fighter fest or or, you know, and I don't think you do it on TV and just try to pop a rating with it. So you got to try to make money and you can't sell tickets. So you have to figure out a way to make money off of Mike Tyson. Maybe HBO Max, maybe HBO Max. You you mentioned earlier, man, that's the spot where it goes is, hey, you know, go watch Mike Tyson, (laughs) boxer Mike Tyson. You are reading my mind. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Set it up. Act like I didn't say it. Act like I didn't say it. Hey, listen, no, that's it. You, I, I'm not upset that you, 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 you led me right where I was going. So maybe it's the HBO Max debut, or maybe it's you know a, a $20 BR Live thing, and maybe it's helping drive people to their content on another platform and using Tyson to do that. Um, but whatever they do with Tyson, my gut is telling me it will draw. I, I don't get this idea that he's running people off. I mean, millions of people watch the clip, um, you know, and, and I'm not sure we can entirely pin one quarter. Now, if you do Mike Tyson next week and you hype up that you're opening the show with Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson responds to last week's incident, whatever the case. And it's going to, you know, top of the hour, tune in seven, you know, eight o'clock. You cannot miss it. And then that quarter hour tanks. Now we have a trend. Sure. That's a trend, and then it's concerning. And then you have to look at what are we paying him versus, okay, now we have a trend of television viewers weren't interested in this guy twice in a row. We can't blame 
the fact that he didn't come on until the last two minutes. We can't blame the fact that we put a talking segment up against a hot match on the other channel. No, we hyped it, we put him on, and people didn't want it. Okay, At that point, I changed my opinion, and I don't think the match will do business. My gut today is telling me if you do that match, no matter what platform or form you choose, the match does business. What do you think? No, I agree. I, I percent agree. I mean, and and and, and Tyson is still. It, it will. Well, I will say this. Okay, if you are going to do that though, and 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 if I'm going going to say that it's going to do business, it's going to take a lot more promotion. I think to get it done. You, you know what I mean? Because it's like I don't know that wrestling fans are going to watch it any more than they you know otherwise would. They'll they'll watch it if it's on. You know what I mean? Like they'll they'll, they'll probably you know they're gonna watch it whenever. It's going to be those other fans, like you're saying. So I think you really, I think either TNT, Turner, HBO Matt, whoever's behind it, whoever wants to get it, whatever platform it's going to be on, those guys all need to then go a little bit harder with the advertising. It, it, AEW can only do so much to say, hey, we got Mike Tyson on a wrestling show, and wrestling fans, come watch Mike Tyson on a wrestling show. Like that, That's got a ceiling. That has whatever to it. The key, though, is, yeah, you're going to have to ramp it up a lot. So if, if I'm saying that, yeah, I think it would be successful on its face, like, yeah, you know, they're on ESPN right now. I've seen a few little things uh, here and there about Tyson. I don't know if it's enough right now to say it's going to do incredible business or, or, or really, really good business, but I think with some muscle, with a few weeks of, of advertising behind it, whether it's at Fighter Fest or whatever it's going to be, I think with a little bit of muscle, yeah, absolutely, but but it, it does need that. I don't think it could just be AEW pushing it. It's got to be the entire Turner family you know, basically pushing it and trying to make it happen. Well, I think that's why you put it on one of those other platforms because yeah, then oh, you put sure. all of that help as well. But I'm not digging my heels in here. I just think today I feel like it'll do good business. Oh, I for sure. I mean, right Mike Tyson, dude, Mike Tyson's a huge draw. I mean, anybody who's – there was a lot of people that I think get lost in the wrestling bubble a lot that we heard from over the last few weeks or whatever, and we're saying, oh, I don't know why you even – it's like, no, dude, Mike Tyson's huge, man. They just ran a fucking marathon about him. His comeback got huge results. Like, he, he's a dude – he is one of the most famous athletes in American history. History. He's one of the most famous athletes in, in, in world history, man. Like, yeah, no, th- th- that is going to do well. Like, anything that he does is going to do pretty well, especially especially if you can tap in to, to old wrestling fans, old boxing fans, tap into that nostalgia, and even more if you can tap into here's here's Mike Tyson, the the, the fighter Mike Tyson. And that that's going to be the key. We kind of were talking about that off air uh, a little bit earlier, but I think there's a ceiling to, hey, here's Mike Tyson, goofy hangover guy, and oh my God, here's Mike Tyson, the fighter, and he's back. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's – if they tap into that then they're talking business here but that's gonna be that's probably more difficult than than we're well then let's talk about about the angle because i thought there was a lot of things wrong with it but i think the brawl and the pull apart were pretty fucking awesome yeah him screaming at the top of the ramp that sort of stuff that's the takeaway that's i i I let everything i let all the other dumb shit go with him and his buddies being fucking frat boys or whatever the hell they were doing uh in the ring there but i the the clip i cut out is the brawl and him screaming at the top of that ramp because that that is stuff that you can sell with for sure. And people holding Jericho back. And and look, it got off to a rough start because the fact is Mike Tyson obviously is not coachable. And he says things that don't make any sense. He's yelling at Arn Anderson at the pay-per-view. didn't make any sense. He's supposed to be a babyface. He's yelling at Chris Jericho that he stole the title. doesn't make any sense. Jericho's not even a champion. What's he even talking about? He's he just has this smirk on his face like he's having the time of his life. Yeah, he's, 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 really, he's a little kid playing wrestler and he loves it. Right, but that's not really the right tone for building up this money match. Right. Like, but he's not coachable. But once it got past the roughness of it, the pull apart and the brawl I thought were great, and I thought felt heated. And I I thought if that pull apart and brawl were the go home angle for like a money match, it 
then mission would have been accomplished. Some of the run up to it was bad. Um, but I think you need to channel what was great about the pull apart. Look, it just needs to be more serious in tone, I think. I think you can uh, be goofy in the run up, but then at some point you have to build a serious, we hate each other sort of vibe. And I think that the pull apart and the brawl was a good path to that. Um, so all of those things matter. I mean, if if they're going to send Mike Tyson out there every week to do comedy with Chris Jericho, I'm going to change my opinion. I don't think necessarily that that is the best way to use Mike Tyson or to or to attempt to draw money with him. But if I see hot angles like we saw with the pull apart, um, basically if we see the second half of that segment, not the first half. Of that <laughs> right, segment, right, right. I think we're in business. I think that that's the way to approach it. Um, and it just, uh, you know, so I don't know. Today, what's today's date? Uh, the, 29th. On the 29th, I feel like they're on the path to drawing some money here with this. And at minimum, they're, they've already sort of won the other battle in terms of, will Mike Tyson garner them attention? Well, the answer to that is a firm yes. The question now is can Mike Tyson help them draw money? Right, right, and that and that's the thing that I think a lot of of, of wrestling companies uh, have fallen into over the last year, and 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 a lot of people are guilty of it. Is attention doesn't always equal business. Attention is one right. thing. YouTube, you mentioned a little bit earlier. Yeah, beyond wrestling, yeah, we have uh, you know hundred million YouTube subscribers. Yeah, but how many of those people are coming to your shows? You know, every single week. You know, how many people of those are subscribers or just watching you? So yeah, we need to. We definitely need to. See how that goes because yeah, attention hasn't always meant dollars, and 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 a lot of wrestling companies, a lot of wrestlers have a, a huge issue converting attention into to real business too. So hopefully, uh, AEW is smarter, and, and and maybe if they have um, the backing of Turner and all those guys and everybody else, and like you said, if it goes to HBO Max or something like that, be a good opportunity for everybody to get it on board and really just try to you know uh, look filter I think, everything into one one particular place and and yeah, I think there's a plan here. I think there's some sort of business plan here. I don't think they just threw that angle on TV to get some YouTube views. I I have to think that um, there's some sort of tie-in with Turner or oh, HBO. Oh, it's not down. Yeah, and, and and like that's the other thing I've seen too is people thinking, oh well, AEW, AEW. I, I, I'm sure AEW said, yeah, cool, Mike Tyson for sure. I don't know that they were the first ones that proposed it. You know what I mean? Like, where do you think that email went? Do you think it was AEW to Turner saying, hey, can we bring in Mike Tyson? Or Turner to AEW saying, hey, you're bringing in Mike Tyson? Do we know who's paying him? I don't. I mean, I have no clue. But, I mean, he's, it's a question he's teasing that. a comeback. So if I'm a, 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 an entertainment property or I own networks or I own a streaming network, I own all that sort of stuff, I, I, I'm giving Mike a call and saying, hey, Mike, what do you want to do? Hey, let's. Okay, if AEW is paying him, if if Tony Khan's footing the bill, which we could assume, you know, if he's getting Turner or HBO to foot some of the bill, I mean, that's just, you know, this is a no-brainer because then even if it fails, so what? But if if Khan's paying him, do you think paying Mike Tyson whatever exorbitant fee that he wants to be a loss leader simply to get your the, the letters AEW into news cycles is worth it? Or do you think you have to make some money, you have to make the money back and make a profit off it? Um, I would say I think you have to make some money back on it. Like, I, I'm not a man who I, – I wouldn't pay top dollar just for quote-unquote publicity uh, of that. Like, unless I convert those people into fans, unless those people are watching every single week or buying the pay-per-view or whatever, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not somebody who, who pays that much money for publicity. Not, not, I tend to agree. Not whatever yeah. money Mike Tyson wants to bring into. This dude's not coming in for, you know, $5,000 and a hot dog. So, No, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think 
you got to attempt to that, – that's why I think this can't be the end of it. There has to be a match coming at some point. Um, and then the question becomes, you know, can Chris Jericho work a match with this guy? I mean, it'll have to have significant bells and whistles. And, I mean, Jericho's going to have to work some magic to, you know, get something out of this that isn't a complete farce. I mean, you can do some kind of gimmick match with, you know – Mikey Gooch Jr. and and Vidor Belfort and Rashad Evans and and and, and all the other MMA fight and and it could be a complete farce. I mean, you could do that. Or you could get Tyson and Jericho in there, and and Jericho would really have to work some magic because it doesn't. He doesn't. Tyson doesn't feel coachable to me. He feels like such a loose cannon. Like you tell him a segment has to be a certain way, and he's just going to do it his way anyway. Right. I mean, he's yawning during the pay per view. I mean, it's, you know, and it's like, there's a certain charm to that, but at the same time, you know, I hate to use this, but funny don't equal money and it never has, which kind of bleeds into kind of the next thing I wanted to bring up with you as we talk big picture on double or nothing. Um, Are they walking a fine line with inner circle? Because I feel like they are. I feel like everyone in the world disagrees with me, and that's okay. And when I say that, I don't think Inner Circle has jumped the shark. I don't – like obviously they're – well, then again, you look at that last quarter hour. I mean, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe there's some evidence mounting. But I feel like my whole thing with Inner Circle is their their comedy antics clearly work. That's I'm not saying like – Stop doing that entirely. That's a huge part of Jericho's charm. He has the unique ability to be able to pull that off and then still be taken seriously. Because he's been in the business for 30 years and he's a proven superstar. And he's one of the greatest to ever do this. I think people forget that. He's one of the greatest to ever do this. Okay? What I worry about are people like Sammy Guevara, who... Rich, as you know, nobody was on the Sammy Guevara train before I was. I was on the Sammy Guevara train before anybody listening knew who he was. Yeah, Sammy Guevara hipster oh. over here. But you're right. You're right. You were. <laughs> it was hey, seven years the, ago, basically. We've got the tape to prove it. Right. The first time I saw that guy in an indie show when he was 18, I said, he's going to be a star. And I came on the air and told the world. So, but with, that, with all of that, and I still believe he's going to be a huge star because he's so talented and charismatic. And all of those things. But do I think they're walking a dangerous line with guys like him? Leaning too heavily into the comedy? I do. I do. Because once you get typecast into that, once fans see you as the pratfall guy who gets hit by golf carts and is always on crutches and is just out there doing comedy, it does reach a point where it not impossible, but it's hard to shake that. And I worry about guys like Ortiz, who's becoming a parody of himself, Mm -hmm. continuing to sell the bell spot. And look, those things are – and I'm not saying, again, to entirely eliminate that stuff. But what I'm saying is I think when it comes to the inner circle, it's real easy to get – because they're great at it. So it's easy to get wrapped up in having them do this stuff and do three different comedy segments on the same show and do cinematic matches and all of that. And that stuff works and people love it. But at the same time, you could be killing a golden goose. This is still your lead heels. 
and they still need to be credible. So I think you need to pepper in. I think every now and then they need to beat a beloved baby face within an inch of their life. Yeah, and they used to do that too. And and, yes. and I'm not saying they're not going to. We don't know what's ahead, but yeah, they used to because I you know I remember you know specifically you know in, in the last you know later part of uh, of last year early part of this year is they would have the goofy like turkey thing like you know the, the live event celebration or whatever and jericho would you know do the whole i'm an out of touch rock star guy or whatever but then he'd stab fucking john moxley's eye with a stick you know what i mean or fucking ortiz and santana would beat up the young bucks with a fucking you know sock filled with you know baseballs and then throw a fucking garage door over him like you need to do that stuff you need to show that once you know these guys are all happy go like that that the the heat is that they act like they're happy-go-lucky. The heat is that they act like they're all playful or whatever. But when it, come, when it comes down to it, they're fucking killers. And they're going to destroy you when they want to. That's the heat. The heat isn't, hey, look at how funny these guys are. Because that's that's got that, that, the legs of that is, is, is nowhere near the legs of... Because you can't build up a big pay-per-view match for that. If the entire pay-per-view match is, hey, look how goofy these guys are, there's no way people are going to want to buy that and see that and be interested in that. Whereas... Hey, look how goofy these guys are. Oh, and then they just stab John Moxley's fucking face with, you know, a, a spike or whatever. That's the heat. That is the heat from those guys. And and I think in a way they've gotten, gotten away with it and or, or gotten away from it. And I do hope that in the next coming weeks and, and months that they, they realize that, okay, there, there's a limit to the comedy. There's a limit to the fun. And the fun is only as good as the serious stuff that comes from that fun. And that's this my is worry just, is that they're not doing that. It's a preemptive warning I'm giving because I don't – think it's happening i think but we could be at the early stages of because these guys are almost too great at it it works against them because then the the impulse is to keep doing it and they're so creative and they're so good at it that they have all these ideas but and i and i trust jericho i trust jericho completely and i understand that guvera is under his wing and what a perfect guy to learn from but sammy guvera is a young wrestler and and we don't know if he's an all-time great like Chris. You can't say anyone's going to be Chris Jericho. I mean, that's a pretty lofty standard. And I just feel like every now and then they need to beat somebody up in a serious segment. They need to have the kind of pull apart that we saw with Mike Tyson to kind of reel it back in and remind everybody that these are the lead heels in the company. They're not just comedy goofballs. They're killers. They will gouge John Moxley's eye out. If they have to, I'm glad you brought that one up. They will, uh, you know, you know, just crash a door onto Nick Jackson's head and attempt to kill him. We still need those segments. And my fear is that they continue to drift away from that. And that is kind of the different influences in that company. Because, you know, when, when the Young Bucks or Chris Jericho, I'm not letting him off the hook, or Kenny Omega are driving the bus on something – you see that sort of thing, and it's it's and it gets over, but you go overkill on that, and it can hurt you, and it can hurt a guy like Sammy Guevara who's on the come up, who I'm still very high on. I don't think they've jumped the shark or crossed the line with him, but you know what Sammy Guevara needs, and I talked about this behind the paywall yesterday. What Sammy Guevara needs to balance out the comedy, which he's great at. And to balance out the goofiness, he needs to go out on TV every week and have a 15-minute banger with no bullshit. Just go out there and wrestle and show the world what a great wrestler because he's a great wrestler. Go out there and wrestle these incredible matches against other mid-card guys and win them. I have no problem with him being a lost post for inner circle. Sure. Because that's what he is right now in his career. He's the low man on the totem pole. But when he gets it, he, he needs to be having singles matches every week against mid-card guys that are on the same level as him. And they need to be 
and I would tell him, I'm Tony Khan. I tell him, you two guys are going out there to steal the show. You, I, I want you to go out there and have the best match on the show. And I'm giving you, how much time do you need? Go out there and have the best match on the show, Sammy. Who do you want to work with? I'll let him pick his opponents. Because I think it's important to cultivate this particular wrestler and make sure that he gets there. So I'd let him pick his opponents, go out there and have 15-minute bangers every week and win them. This would be a perfect spot for like a cruiserweight title that you treat seriously. Now, I'm not advocating they add another title. I think they're good with the titles. So it's a shame. But this would have been a perfect spot for something like this, and he'd be the perfect guy to hold it. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, in, and, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, and I, I, I do think that it, it holds true, is the heat in a lot of those. The, the, the heat of, like, good wrestling comedy is that it's juxtaposed with real serious stuff a, a, as well. Like, people always bring up Jericho in, in WCW because he was a quote-unquote comedy figure in, in WCW. Yes and no. Uh, yeah, he would do these goofy promos, and yeah, he would tell the referee to hold his hand up, you know, a bunch of different times in a row or whatever. But the heat was that this dude was a fucking killer. That he would just smile and say, "Hey, I didn't even mean to do that." While at the same time, fucking kicking, you know, Rey Mysterio's knee a thousand times and putting him in the Jericho, you know, the 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 walls of Jericho or whatever, the Lion Tamer for five minutes after the bell rang and and, and making the guy go away for six months or saying, "Oh, hey, uh, Hoovy Juice," said it, you know, joking around and stealing the guy's fucking mask and calling him ugly. You know what I mean? Like the heat was the comedy went along with the seriousness that this guy when it when it came down to it he may act like he's epic lucky he may act like he's doing well he might be acting like everything's all good and he's having a great time but deep down he's a troubled dude that's out here to try to kill everybody and and win matches and 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 he's just as ruthless of a killer as anybody else and that to me is what i think the inner circle is missing right now and they had that before they had that before, and I think I'm confident, like you said, I'm confident because I just mentioned that Chris Jericho did this before. I'm confident that Chris Jericho can get it, but you're absolutely right with, with Sammy, is you need that sort of that yin and the yang. The 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 the, the okay, he's this, you know, Pratt Fall guy, the, the comedy goof or whatever, the guy that takes the falls for, for the inner circle, but down on the card, he's out there fucking killing guys and, and, and winning matches and looking like a million bucks. And then that's where the heat comes from, is that he is those two things. That you see this guy that's such a tremendous pro wrestler and so good, yet why does he have to feel like he has to do this? Why does he feel like he's stooping to this low? Why does he feel like he's doing that sort of stuff? That is where the, the, the real heat comes in. And, and I think people lose sight of that by just saying, hey, I like this angle. That was really cool. Yeah, but think big picture. Yes, think big picture if it's a really good idea for every single week for you to get hit by a, you know, a, a, a golf cart. It's not. I, mean, I can tell you right now, Sammy, it's not. Jake Hager MMA training videos getting ready for Moxley is the balance I'm talking about. Uh, they were treated seriously and all that. And then he can go out there and read a funny poem where he comes off like a psychopath. Um, proud and powerful trying to gouge Moxley's eye out is the kind of balance I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, that, that's, that's, My- and, and that's the heat. Like, that's it. That's, that's yes. what all, all good pro wrestling comedy, all good pro wrestling whatever is done with that also. So all the successful pro wrestling comedy ever is done yeah. with when things Money get right down to it. Yeah. Let's fucking have a fight to determine who's better. Let's win. Let's lose. Let's have a match. Let's do that. You got to sell that at some point. You just can't sell, hey, this guy's funny and goofy, and, and hey, how look how funny it because is. Because then you're Santino Morella. You know, it, it, it sounds harsh, but it's the truth. You know, just an early warning. And maybe, look, since we're hyper-focusing on quarter hours this week, maybe that final segment of AEW was sort of a reflection of this where Maybe it's not the best idea to have Dynamite be the inner circle comedy hour and do three, four segments of their zany, you know, maybe cut it down to a segment or two and then have a serious segment. I, I just, I really think you need the balance. And I fear, especially with the success of the stadium stampede, that the urge is going to be to lean in harder mm-hmm. 
on that kind of stuff and destroy sort of that delicate balance that the inner circle has had. Because I think the balance has been great up until the last couple of weeks. I am starting to see signs that they're leaning too far into the goofy stuff. And you can be fooled very easily by vocal fans and, and things and Katie Nolan tweeting about it and shit like that, that you can really get wrapped up in that stuff. You can. And I, you know, I am just saying if anyone cares about my opinion, um, because we know some of them listen, I would, I'd be real careful with this. And maybe this quarter hour this week was the first sign that, you know, the, the lean in is a little too hard lately. But uh, I wanted to touch on that too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, one thing I will say is, as we, as we kind of conclude this segment is a, a lot of people always bring up like The Rock too as like, you know, oh, this is a comedy figure. that. But when it got down to it, The Rock was, he was out there to win his wrestling matches. You know what I mean? And and his promos were half comedy, but he'd always finish off by saying, you know, he, he'd get serious at the end. It was it was happy-go-lucky time some way for The Rock. But yeah, a lot of it was deep down and serious. And and, and people take the comedy part of The Rock and go, oh, well, that, you know, that, that was it. You know, or they do the, the funny things that, that Stone Cold Steve Austin did. But goddamn, when it came down to it he was going to hit you in the head with a chair fucking bloody you up and hit you in the stunner and he's going to win the match and when it came down he wanted to win the match and he so yeah like we i I think a lot of people pick out the the comedy and comedic aspects of certain wrestlers and say oh we'll see it works but like no you need that balance and 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 you're absolutely right right now and i 100 percent agree that the inner circle does not have that balance right now and it it, it hurts and i'm not even saying what they're doing isn't working with guvera they're getting them over but i'm begging them to, to to pepper in some balance that's all have proud and powerful go out there and just decimate an undercard tag team. My suggestion behind the paywall, I know fantasy booking, yuck. But my suggestion behind <laughs> the paywall was to have them go out there on Dynamite against a lower card tag team. Pick whoever you want. Marco Stunt and the Jungle Boy. Uh, think of another one. Right? Whoever, QT, QT and Dustin. Or, well, yeah, well, QT, QT, and Dustin, yeah Dustin. QT and Dustin works perfect, actually. Just pick, pick one of those uh, prelim level tag teams. Not jobbers. It's important that it's not jobbers. And just have Proud and Powerful... Beat them within an inch of their life, win the match, continue to beat them, and then force the referee to reverse the decision because this beating is so brutal that that he's disqualifying them. We've seen that gimmick now, and it always works. And that's the kind of balance I'm talking about where you can reel it back in. Ortiz isn't out there goofing around with his ears, okay? He's out there maiming a man with with, uh, a pool cue inside of a sock. That's what I want to see. Then you could do all the comedy bitch you want, as long as there's that juxtaposition of 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 nasty of, of the right. fact that these guys are top heels and that they're dangerous and that they can kill you at any moment. That's what I want out of them: nastiness, not just the comedy. Because at that point, then they're you know for all the reasons we talked about. But um, just and and like you're saying with the Rock, he 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 you know he would talk about poontang pie and make fun of uh, um, of Coachman, but then he'd go out there with Steve Austin and hit each other with chairs for 25 minutes. So that's the balance I'm talking about. And The Rock, I mean, come on. I mean, you, you, you can't compare anyone to The Rock. Right. The Rock is the most charismatic wrestler to ever live. So, I mean, I don't even know if that's even fair. You know, I, I'm uncomfortable comparing people to Jericho. And Jericho would be uncomfortable being compared to The Rock. So The Rock is the biggest star on earth. Not even wrestling. He's just the biggest star on earth. I mean, so that's not even like, you know, that's... It's almost not even fair to bring up The Rock. But even he had that balance. But he could have gotten over by standing in the ring and – I mean he has gotten over by just standing in the ring and being stupid because he's the fucking Rock. The Rock could stand there and just raise his eyebrows and get over. So um, as far as double or nothing, just to wrap it up I guess, 
Um, do you have any other big picture thoughts about the show? Again, if you want the full review, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, $10 tier. You can listen to the on demand, uh, nearly two hour review. We did, if you're looking for the match by match breakdowns, but, uh, quick hitters, rich one quick sentence on each of these topics. Okay. And then we'll move on. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, just to give people a taste. Uh, Cody winning the TNT title, uh, the right call, or would you have won with Archer? Um, I think I still, you know, thinking about it a little bit more, I think I still would have went with Archer. I like the idea of Archer getting the title right off the bat. I like the idea of Cody having to work a little bit harder uh, to get to the title. I, I don't hate that Cody won it, but I do think that there's probably a little bit more legs with Archer as the champion right now than Cody as the champion. So, Okay, I will disagree. I'm still all about Cody winning that title, especially with the promo he gave where he's kind of doing the Bret Hart gimmick. Now he's going to be the hardest working champion in wrestling and defend the title every week on TV. I think that's a really good way to establish the title. So uh, at the end of the day though, I I don't think it would have been a bad call to have Archer win, but now that I see where they're going with Cody, uh, I'm, 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 uh, I'm behind that. Um, let's see. Oh, Brody Lee. Uh, everyone switches their opinions on a week in week out basis, depending on how his segments went. Um, are you uh, back on the Brody Lee train? Or I don't even know if you were ever off it, to be honest. But the match with John Moxley pretty much considered a, a success, right? Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and you don't think he's hurt at all? That's I don't. Good... No, no, Jesus Christ, no. I, that that we talked good about. Question it. for Archer: Do you think Archer's hurt? They're not. No, and, and we talked about it a little right. bit on the post show, so we won't go into extensive detail right. here. But we touched on it. Like you got to get the WWE brain rot out of your. You, you, you can't. Guys are going to lose on AEW. AEW has 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 structured their wrestling where losses aren't death. A clean loss doesn't mean you're dead because there are a lot of clean losses. A lot of guys lose clean. People don't lose via DQ. People don't lose via, you know, distraction finishes. People don't lose via roll-ups and all this other bullshit all the time or, or, or you know, count-outs and any of that sort of stuff. So you're going to lose clean. And that it, it doesn't – a clean loss doesn't mean the same thing in AEW that it does in WWE or whatever or in any other company. So, no, I don't think they're – yeah, I don't think Lance Archer or Brody Lee are, are, are any worse off by losing clean here. It, it's, it just doesn't mean the same thing in AEW as it does in other companies. Have you come around on Taz with Brian Cage? I am all the fuck in. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, the, the, the dynamite did help me a little bit. I, I wasn't fully in love uh, at, at Double or Nothing. I wasn't all the way there, but yeah, it fucking rocked on dynamite. So I'm in now. So you get it now. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, do you think there are more people like you who do not understand who can stop the path of Cage? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think you're you're in the... 20 percent of people <laughs> yeah, you're the good word there extreme minority that understand what the hell that is because you know you explained it to me and that was literally like that had never even for a second crossed my mind that that, that was the, the the phrase so no for sure yeah uh and i guess uh stadium stampede you know non-subscribers non-ten dollar subscribers have no idea what we thought of the match um i first of all i don't even consider it a match and i'm not willing to argue with anyone it's not a wrestling match um what it was though I think Meltzer put it best in the Observer. It was the best example of a quote-unquote match of this kind that is the new standard for what we call cinematic or meme matches. I will agree with that. But it was not a pro wrestling match. And I think that uh, this this part of the conversation we just had about leaning in too far, these should be very few and far between. I will note that on our reaction show, we talked about how Tony Khan said he wants to make this sort of a trademark staple match of the company. Those comments weren't entirely accurate. I listened to that press scrum, and he at no point really – I think someone just ran with that. 
he, he was pleased with the results and was very happy with it. But I didn't hear him say during that press scrum at any point that he wanted to make this like a regular occurrence. So I, we have to reel ourselves mm-hmm. back on that one. But we again, we were doing our show at the same time as the press scrum. So we were just going off Twitter and what people in the chat were saying. But um, yeah, this is something I think is a special thing you do once in a very blue moon. Uh, it's not a match. Too much editing, too much that to call it a match. Um, I thought it was fine. It's exactly what I thought before. I thought I would like it less than everybody else did. And that's exactly – everyone loved it, and I thought it was just something that was mildly amusing. Um, yeah. Rich, the stadium stampede. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably exactly the way that Dave is where, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, I'd probably rather watch Brody Lee – and Moxley, and I'd probably rather watch Sheeta and and you know uh, uh, Nyla Rose, and I'd rather watch you know Cody and Archer, you know, for, for, or MJF and Jungle Boy, I should say, instead of Cody Archer. I'd rather watch those matches a thousand times more than I'd ever watch the you know the Stampede match or whatever. But with that said, given the style, given what we've seen, the Money in the Bank, the Boneyard, the Firefly Flying House, all that sort of stuff, if that's in that category, I agree that I would I like this Stampede more than all those other ones. I would definitely put it at the top of that list, and and I ultimately enjoyed it. But like you said, at the, at the end of the day, when it's over and I'm done watching it, like it's not a match that's going to resonate with me for forever. It's not a match that's going to resonate with, with me really for a long amount of time at all. Like I'm, it, it's over now. I haven't really thought about it since we talked about it on Saturday. And to me, it, yeah, I, I'd rather, you know, circumstances, whatever they were, that's why you had to do this type of match. It's cool. I get it. But, yeah, I would not want it to see – I would not want it to be a regular thing in every pay-per-view thing and every year thing. I really wouldn't want to ever see it on that level. So uh, I'm probably exactly like Dave is, is there, where I think of these type of matches, my favorite, and I probably enjoyed it at a surface level. But for the most part, I just really kind of want to watch pro wrestling matches. So sorry. Sue me, I guess. Very funny being the elite segment is what it was. It was funny from that. There were good callbacks. There were some funny bits. Not everything landed with me. In fact, a lot of it didn't land with me. I mean, you you hated the Matt Hardy thing, and that kind of took you out of it from that perspective. I hated that too. Um, then they had Matt Hardy changing fucking gimmicks on Dynamite three nights later. The Matt Hardy is going to be so yeah, annoying. That, I fucking hate Matt Hardy. I, AEW is garbage. I hate it so much. And then I hated a bunch of stuff that really didn't that you didn't mind. I hated the horse. I cannot stand that the fucking horse was involved in the match. That it's too much for me. That was my I'm out moment. The fucking horse. Um, the barroom thing that everybody loved. I hated these two guys sitting at the bar enjoying a drink and then deciding to fight. It's stupid. It's not pro wrestling. Um, you know, it, it's not a match. You can't call it a match. The, the you know Matt Jackson with the you know the the the. Uh, not the Germans, the, the fucking... What's, what? Northern Lights Suplex. Yeah, people were very upset that you kept calling it a German suplex. So Yeah, because you know me. I'm always on top of the <laughs> Move moves. guy Joe Lanza. <laughs> Move guy Joe Lanza. Um, you know, that bit where he did it a hundred times and the camera cut away and we saw the last... It, it's not a match. It's just... It's silly, goofy being the elite fun, and that's fine. I'm not pissing in people's cornflakes. I just don't think it's a match. I don't consider it a match. And, um, you know, if it was on being the elite, I wouldn't complain about it at all. It fits the tone of being the elite. Um, but if you're asking me to judge it as a pro wrestling match, I have to be honest and tell you, I don't think it was a match. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to argue with anybody. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, it made me smirk a few times. It was, it was much better than some of the stuff WWE has done. It blew away the Money in the Bank thing. Um, but it's just, I mean, Tony Khan used the verbiage cinematic match. He said that himself during the scrum, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, I'm getting sick of that term, but that's what people have chosen to call mm-hmm. these things. 
Um, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, the, the one wing angel at the end. I mean, that's great, but I'm not asking for people to paralyze themselves, but I'm sorry, crash pad spots. It just takes something away from me. I, I, you know, I'd rather you not do it. If you're going to use a crash pad, I don't know. Um, it's fine. Uh, we have extended thoughts behind the paywall. If you want to hear me rant and rave about the horse and <laughs> Oh boy, do I rant and rave about the horse uh, behind the paywall. Yeah, Joe gets triggered by uh, uh, somebody bringing up a, a, another wrestler that came out with a horse that uh, is, is good stuff. So rich. There's a difference. Don't do it. Between... Don't do it here. That 10 bucks, man. Pay it up. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, there is a very big difference, but I, there's I a big difference between a ring entrance and the horse being in the match. That's the difference. I, I can't. Don't make me do this again because I'm going to start talking about hustle and uh, and everything else. But uh, that's double or nothing. Um, you know, but look, the stadium stampede, just like all of the WWF attempts at these WWF, like this is 1984. <laughs> just like all of the WWE attempts at these things and just like final deletion and impact. And with with the exception of money in the bank, because that one, I think people were like, eh. I didn't like that so much. These things have, are all wildly popular with 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 the vocal portion of of wrestling fans. So I accept that I'm in the the minority here when it comes to these kind of matches. So, um, you know, what what are you going to do? I mean, it's I don't think we've seen the last of them. COVID or no COVID, I don't think we've seen the last of them. As long as Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt exist, you're going to get more of this stuff. Right. So that that's that's all there is to it, and when you have the Bucks and Jericho and Kenny Omega and people like that, you know, feeding ideas into Tony Khan's ear and and having their influence come through in some way, um, you know, you're you're going to see stuff like this, and with Matt Hardy in the room now and everything else. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I know. Listen, you know. Again, if it's if they're presented as fun little segments on being the elite or something, my viewpoint is entirely different. And I did not hate it. I think that it sounds like I hated it. I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't love it, and I would prefer not to see it. So if that makes me a grump, you think that's the first time people are going to throw that at me? That's fine. I, I'm no fun Lanza for yeah. a reason. Well, us assholes like wrestling and like wrestling matches, so sorry. I want to talk to Tom. That's what I want. Or, you know what? The fucking fight pit, Joe. NXT fight, fight pit. pit, baby. Two dudes getting in the fucking ring, having a fucking fight. One guy's bloody. One guy's grabbing his teeth. The other guy's risking it all. And then one dude taps the other guy out and proves he's better. Now that is a rich That's transition. Fucking wrestling, baby. <laughs> what a transition. The fight pit fucking ruled. I cannot get enough of the fight pit. I want NXT to just be the fight pit. Everybody, get Aaliyah in the fight. I want Aaliyah in the fight pit. I want uh, I want uh, next week's Cruiserweight Tournament Final Interim to be in the fight pit. Get Vanessa Bourne, Vanessa Bourne versus Aaliyah, the breakup, you know, fight pit for them. Everyone in the fight pit, teeth getting knocked out. You know, this, listen, and can I talk about Timothy Thatcher? You for can a talk bit? about Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, we are we are the quote unquote anti Timothy Thatcher show. Bullshit. Give us this Timothy Thatcher. We're I and I've always said that people are always saying, "Oh, you guys hate Timothy Thatcher." I don't hate Timothy Thatcher. I like Timothy Thatcher. I don't like Timothy Thatcher in a boring match rolling on the ground for twenty five minutes while nobody makes any noise. That Timothy Thatcher sucks. This Timothy Thatcher grabbing his teeth, fucking kneeing Matt Riddle in the face and tapping his ass out. I like that Timothy Thatcher. I've always liked that Timothy Thatcher. 
I, a sophisticated wrestling fan, have always been a huge fan of Timothy Thatcher, uh, unlike this Cretan Rich Craig. Uh, I have been a firm supporter of Timothy Thatcher from day one. I have never said a bad word about <laughs> Timothy Thatcher. Okay? Uh, no. The thing about Thatcher is when he lands, he fucking lands. That's one thing about Thatcher. And, and for all the criticism we've given him, and for whatever reason, that motherfucker never got over and evolved. And that was our beef. You got this guy who is not getting over in front of these crowds, was never going to get over in front of these crowds, and Gabe kept trotting him out there, expecting it to change. And it would kill every show he was on. Rich, there were shows where they threw garbage at the man. And not just one. This man had garbage thrown at him on Evolve shows because people just did not like this guy. Like, in a real go-away heat way. But then you would see Timothy Thatcher in Germany. Or you would see Timothy Thatcher where I think he really shines in tag team matches, right? Or you would see Timothy Thatcher in matches like the fight pit, right? And you'd be like, this is fucking great. When this guy lands, nobody, like, he's as high as anyone. But when it doesn't land, and when there's a crowd that doesn't want to fucking see his bullshit, or when he, like Rich is saying, gets a little too heavy into the grapple fuck shit, nobody wants to see smooth... BJJ transmissions and pro no one cares. Okay, it's just no one cares. That shit never gets a reaction. But this fucking landed. This was great, and now I want everyone in the fight pit because he went in there. He got his fucking teeth knocked out. They need each other in the face. They sprinkled in enough pro wrestling style high spots, but not too many to where it became a farce, right? And then he just choked that motherfucker out. And sent him packing the SmackDown. You're out of the territory, buddy. I am a Timothy Thatcher fan now, Rich. <laughs> behind this guy. I love the way he's been pushed. In the, I think they've pushed him perfectly. Absolutely. They bring him in as, as Riddle. He replaces Pete Dunne, right? As like the buddy cop tag team. But like he's never really that comfortable with it. Like he's always side-eyeing Riddle. Unlike Dunne, who was who would eye roll riddle and just live with it. It's a different dynamic, right? Thatcher's like side-eyeing him. Like this guy is, I don't like this fucking guy. Finally, he has enough. He turns on him in the tag match, right? Challenge him mano a mano to a bout. Riddle gets like, not a banana peel win, but kind of a cheap win. You know, he's stuck in a submission and he rolls him over and pins him. And then Thatcher says, fuck your pins. Knockout, submission, <laughs> yep. or death. Those are the options inside of a cage. Well, he didn't say the cage part. Then Riddle said, I like those steps, knockout, submission, or death. I'm a tough motherfucker. How about we put it in a cage? And Joe Lance is at home going, fuck yeah, let's put it in a cage, right? But little did I know that we weren't just getting a cage. We were getting the fight pit. The fight pit, Rich. It's got a catwalk. It's got a fucking catwalk on all four sides. So much better than the WWE cage. The normal WWE cage, it looks so fucking badass. Awesome. It's got scaffolds on the outside. And then they get in there. They didn't lock up. They didn't fucking shake hands. They didn't throw arm drags. They didn't work over his his elbow. <laughs> work over <No>. his knee. <laughs> they weren't doing fucking, you know, jujitsu transit. No, they were murdering each other in the fight pit. And if you're going to get in the fight pit, you need to murder each other. This was so great. And I can't wait. to. I've watched it twice. 
Both times I got distracted. Once with a bunch of fucking text messages. Another time with a with a dying dog. <laughs> and the third time, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I, absorb this match for all the greatness that it is. I cannot wait to watch it uninterrupted. And we really need to just turn NXT into a fight pit promotion. That's how much I love this. Yeah, there's not a whole lot that NXT has done that I've enjoyed over the last few months. There's been a, a lot that I have not enjoyed uh, with NXT. But this got me hooked again, man. This was like the, the, this feud, like you said, the buildup of it has been really, really good. Uh, I, and, and again, we talk about... We talk about the juxtaposition of, of a comedy guy and a serious guy and how important it is to show that you have a serious side even if you are a goofy guy. And I think Riddle has that pretty well in, in NXT. I think they've done a good job of that where he's 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 funny and goofy to a point, but then when it comes down to it, okay, well, now we're in the ring. Now it's a wrestling match. All right, let's go. I got to prove I'm going to win. And this fight pit's a perfect example of that too. He's all happy-go-lucky, buddy cop, buddy cop. That bell rings and he runs at this dude as quickly as possible and tries to beat the fuck out of him and kill him right away. And, and like that's the stuff that we say is, is so good. But no, I thought this was... Tremendous match, tremendous, tremendous match. The finish, especially too, where you know Riddle comes off the top with a, a, a corkscrew moonsault, uh, hits it on Thatcher. Thatcher screaming, his mouth's all bloody from his teeth getting knocked out earlier. Which I still don't know. Like, do you? It was that real or fake? I don't know what if that was real or fake or, or what. Okay, I mean, well let me let me he's pose so, it to you. He's so insane that I don't. <laughs> who the fuck knows? With well, let me Thatcher. pose it to you, let me pose it to you this way. Okay. Does it matter? No, because it fucking ruled, and that's pro wrestling. Yeah, because it worked. It worked. And in the moment, you weren't really wrapped up in that. You just were worried about Kurt Angle picking up this guy's teeth. So, yeah, I mean, the spot worked whether it was a work or a shoot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And his mouth was bloody and all that, and and it just it definitely added to the match. But um, Fight Pit was a huge success, and I guess that kind of explains why they've rushed through the Thatcher Riddle program because Riddle was getting called up. Right. So you would hate to see them rush through it that quickly, but you know, it's like, I understand if they're bringing them up to a, to, to smack now. Sure. If they were given a drop dead date, it, it, you know, you can't say, well, give us, you know, four months to let the story, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let, yeah. let, you know, no, that's not going to work. If they're saying, Hey, this is the day we need them. And they gave them enough warning, at least to let them get this story in, which was perfect. And, and like we said, it, it, it's such a great way to finish the story too, because Riddle goes out, not necessarily looking like a, a, you know, he didn't get destroyed. He doesn't look like a punk. He still looks like a guy that can go to SmackDown now. And if they push him, will you know, be pushed well and, and, and whatnot, or, you know, all that sort of stuff. But now, it helps so much more because on the way out, you know, Riddle loses. He leaves the territory, you know, with a loss. And Thatcher's there fucking at the top of the cage, screaming about his victory while blood's pouring out of his mouth. And you're like, this guy, the champion, give this guy the title. Like, he looks like the biggest fucking star in the universe. You know, Marvin, I was screaming as he's, you know, yelling, happy about his victory, blood pouring everywhere. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is how you do it. That's how you push a guy. This guy won, that guy lost. It's not that hard to do. It's so simple, and yet so many people in wrestling can't seem to figure it out for some reason. So, You know, the fact that it beat Jericho and Tyson, do you think that's going to plant ideas in their head for more of this? Or, st- or stuff God, like I fucking this? hope so, man. Jesus. Yeah, if the, if the difference is guys in the ring doing silly shit or dudes getting in the ring and fucking fighting one another... Uh, I'll definitely take the guys fucking fighting one another. So hopefully, God, I hope that they look at those ratings and go, let's do more. You know, not necessarily, I I don't know if I'm quite on your level where everybody needs to be in a fight pit, but more matches built up this style and more matches that that have that serious tone to them, I I think would be awesome to see. Now, next week, (laughs) 
Morrow would come out. Would, would you'd hear Morrow's voice? The fight pit would already be. The structure would be there, and Morrow would say, "Welcome to NXT Fight Pit." And the now that's black and gold the, brand. <laughs> that's it. That's the, the name of the promotion is now NXT Fight Pit, and it's a fight to submission, knockout, or death in every match. That's it. It's the fight pit. That's the promotion. That's what I do. But um. Yeah, but Rin- any- Rinku versus Swerve Scott. Who fucking cares? You know, get him in there. Rinku Cameron versus- Grimes versus <laughs> it's Raul Mendoza. Let's go. You know, the f- fact of the matter is, it doesn't even matter who you put in the fight pit. I'm into it. You know, so you want to do Aaliyah versus Caden uh, uh, Carter? Go for it. I'm there. In fact, I'm real intrigued by that. I want to see how Aaliyah and Caden Carter handle the fight pit you know what I, but, you know what fuck this is now is the time to you know if, if we're going full fight pit you, you got the the horsewomen down there let's get a little jasmine duke and shafir in there that's that's you know they've been waiting for this moment when wrestling stopped being about wrestling and instead being about you, know. you just did it it's it's Aaliyah versus uh uh caden uh, carter cameron carter what's her name caden carter all right uh rich has no clue which is why he's not saying that's caden carter um, i believe but who fucking cares so. jessamine duke and marina shafir who are standing outside the ring for the last seven hours they climb the <laughs> literally plexiglass. we'll talk about that in a sec literally but yeah. they hop the plexiglass they climb the scaffolds they get into the fight pit and they and they just decimate both of them and leave them in a bloody heap and that's great television you know the fight pit is not for the weak, Rich. Matt Riddle couldn't even handle the fight pit. So you got to step up your game if you're in the fight pit. I just love saying fight pit. I mean, they even came up with a great name for it. How did it – now here's the important question. How did they ruin what they're doing with Timothy Thatcher? That's number one. And then how did they ruin the fight pit? Because we know both of those things are coming. Um, okay. So the way they ruin the fight pit, I feel like the best way to ruin anything in NXT is, is, is involve Gargano and Ciampa in it. So I have a feeling at some point they're going to a fight pit match and it's going to be 77 minutes long. Oh God. And, and Ciampa, daddy's, daddy's home is going to be putting, I, you know, Gargano's I take it all back. I don't face. want everyone in the fight pit. He's going to no be more. putting his face on the cage. Be like, this is why you wanted it this way. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Daddy's home. This is why I had to do it. I don't want to do it, but you made me do it. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah you're right. That's, <laughs> that's, it. that's how they is. ruin it. You're right. They did it all downhill. I changed my mind. I retract my seven minutes long. It's fucking endless. I don't want everyone in the fight pit. I don't want I don't want Johnny Gargano or Daddy's home. <laughs> Within 50 miles of my fight. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story? I think I, t- I don't know if I talked to, about it on air, but I, t- I had a friend who like barely watches NXT or whatever, and he he, he was watching it one week and he texts me. He goes, "Who's Daddy?" <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, "Who's Daddy?" And I'm like, "What do you?" He's like, "This guy, this guy on the screen, his name's Daddy." And I'm like, "Who the fuck are you talking about? Send a picture." He's like, "I don't know. He's got a beard." And I'm like, "You got to be more specific. I don't know who you're talking because I wasn't watching live or whatever." And it's a picture of Chomp, and he goes, "Yeah, this guy's name is Daddy, isn't it?" And I was just like, "Jesus Christ." Yeah. Because his problem's a daddy's home. Daddy's home. Yeah. <laughs> My friend is legit like, hey, this daddy guy's kind of cool. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's awful. It's so bad. And he you didn't know. He else... thought the man's name was Daddy. That there was this bearded bald man named Daddy. <laughs> and he's not wrong. Like, I wasn't like, well, you're being dumb, dude. I was like, no, you know, I, I get how if you didn't know who this was, you would think his name is Daddy. So 
I get it. You know who else I don't – aside from Daddy and Johnny Organo, you know who else I do not want in my fight pit? They need to stay clear away from my fight pit. Adam Cole. Do not want him in my fight pit. Yeah, he's going to do a Pamela Sunrise off the fucking top of it or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want my fight pits long. I want my fight pits like fucking seven minutes, ten minutes long. Like, I don't don't need 35-minute fight pit matches. I do not want Velveteen Dream in my fight pit. I don't want him in it. I'm coming up with a lot of guys I don't want in the fight pit. (laughs) I was going to say, I think we have. All right, so here, all right, I'm going to run down NXT male roster. You want to do this? We're going to do yay or nay on on fight pit participants, okay? In the new NXT fight pit division. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there's a name right off the bat that I know you're going to love. All right, Adam Cole. No, I do not want him in my fight pit. Arturo Ruas. Get that man in the fight pit. Oh, my God, fight pit, baby. Let's go. That man is the fight pit champion. I want him in the fight pit with Thatcher next week. No, you got to build. No, you got to build up for that. Huas goes over, you know. No, he's got to wait. He's got to beat some. He's got to beat some geeks before he gets to Thatcher. In the fight pit. In the fight pit. Okay. I can. All right, I'm with you then. But he's he's absolutely a yay. Uh, Boa, uh, is he even around anymore? Get Boa in the fight pit. Yeah, I saw him standing at ringside. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Bobby Fish. Yes. Are you absolutely. kidding me? Are you kidding me, Bobby Fish in the fight pit? Absolutely. That man was a legitimate fighter. He's got fights on YouTube. Get him in the fight pit. He's a contender. See, so you're doing pretty well. You got three out of four fight pits. Uh, Bronson Reed. Absolutely. A big man like that. I'd love to see him in the fight pit. Cameron Grimes. Sure. Damian Priest. Absolutely. Danny Birch. I mean, come on. Oh, God. Bur- come on now. That's, uh, a, that's, a, that's a fight pit first round draft pick. Absolutely. Uh, Dexter Loomis. You know, <laughs> I don't want Dexter in my fight I don't know pit. if I want Dexter Loomis in the fight pit. Yeah, He's going to get out, you know, the wire um, and stuff. He's going to be choking people with the wire and fucking shit. You which know. could be cool. Which could be cool, I, but probably won't be cool. So, Now, let's keep him out of the fight pit. I, I agree. Uh, Dijakovic, whatever the fuck. You know, I said yes to Damian Priest, but Priest and Dijakovic and Keith Lee have kind of been annoying me lately. Thank you. You're on my board. Yeah, they'd be doing fucking backflips and kickouts and stuff in it for some reason so i'm gonna say no on dijakovic but he could easily become a fight pit guy sure if he cleans up his act i think we're gonna have enough fight pit people that we're not gonna need him uh phantasma what do you think about phantasma in the fight pit fuck it put him in the fight pit i like it like i said i want drake maverick versus phantasma in the fight pit next week for the interim cruiserweight title uh finn balor I don't know if he's a fight pit. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want fit in my fight pit. He's too. Is pretty. he a fight pit? Guy? Nah, he's too pretty. He's got abs. He's kind of. I don't want. A... I don't want abs. I don't want abs in my fight pit. He's doing a gritty routine though. Now he's like, Mister Pew Pew. I'm a shooter. Like that kind of act. Yeah, I don't want him in my there. fight pit. Nah, you don't me. want him in the fight pit. I don't want him there. I'm on the fence. I'll let you know later. Okay, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Put him in there. Yep, Jake Atlas. Uh... he's. Uh, you got to think about Jake Atlas. He's kind of a pretty wrestler. You know what I mean? He's he's. I don't know if he's, he's kind of a pretty boy. I don't know if he's a fight pit guy. No, I put him in I, with the Keith Lee, Dijakovic, like those guys. They can be in the we kick out of every move division, which is fine too. I like that division too. But yeah. I mean, I'm putting Aaliyah in the fight pit. Why aren't I putting Jake Atlas in the fight pit? You know what? Jake Atlas needs to prove his metal. Let's get him in the fight pit. All right. I'm putting him in. James Drake. Absolutely. I think James Drake's a fight pit dude for sure. Yeah, he could be a fight pit guy. Yeah. Can he cut the promo in the fight pit? In the fight pit. All, all bets are off in the fight, but who knows? Maybe. Probably. Uh, that's Zach Gibson. James Drake. So let's throw them both in. K 
can can Zach Gibson cut the promo in the fight pit? Mm-hmm. That's question number one. So like build heat for the fight pit. And then James Drake. See, I might put Zach Gibson in the fight pit, but not James Drake. How about that? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, the former DJZ, Joaquin Wild. That's not a fight pit nah, guy. Nah, sorry. I don't think he's a fight pit guy, no. Uh, John Gargano. That's that's not happening not for sure. <laughs> that's, yeah. Get him out of here. No. Uh, okay, so this one's tough. Initially, you want to say yes, but you got to change some aspects of this. Karrion Cross is absolutely a fight pit guy, but they got to be careful with him in the fight pit. You know what? I'm so annoyed by Karrion Cross that I don't want him in my fight pit. Which sucks because so he is now. a fight pit guy. You know what I mean? And like you're right with me. Like, yes, he is a fight pit guy, but he's also not a fight pit guy. No, he can go lip sync <laughs> and bring his goofy smoke. He can go hang out with Daddy's home. And Gargano, he's already hanging out with Daddy's home. And those fucking guys, I do not want, he is not welcomed in my fight pit. So the answer is no. Uh, he's not welcome in your fight pit. Uh, we mentioned Keith Lee earlier. Keith Lee is uh, is out of the fight pit. Uh, Killian Dane. Killian Dane, you know what? I kind of like it. I like I it like as like it. the big bear muscle, you know, it's like wrestling a bear in the fight pit, you know? It's like, fuck, like, how is... You know, how is X going to be able to, to take down Killian Dane in the fight pit? I, I like it. I do like it. I like it a lot. Killian Dane is not working for me in general, but he might work for me in the fight pit. Get him in the fight pit. Uh, what about Kona Reeves in the fight pit? Yeah, fuck it. I Yeah, why not? I, I like the heat. I like Kona the heat Reeves. of like, oh, I'm a pretty boy. I'm not going to get in that fight pit. And then he goes in there and, you know, maybe he wins a few matches here and there. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kushida, come on fight pick guy for sure he's a fight pick guy yeah he's a fight pick guy yeah. oh my god kyle o'reilly another uh, first round pick of the, the fight first pick. round draft pick uh mansoor i don't know if mansoor is in the uh in the fight pit unfortunately i'll put him in there <laughs> put him in the fight pit uh matt riddle of course oni yeah. lorkin of course pete yes. dunn of course i'm not even gonna ask yes. you for these ones oh my god yeah nxt's got a great fight pit roster man they're pretty good yeah. This roster is great, man. That's they, you know, they tried all the wrong stuff. They just need it. They they have it right here. The fight pit. Rich, uh, I could tell. I could tell you what you're missing on NXT. I mean, the tag teams. You, you know, you had the Broserweights, Ackner and Bartell, and 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 Lorcan and Birch, and Undisputed Era. You know, Fish and O'Reilly, all wrestling each other over in the COVID era. It's all been the tag stuff is good. There's good stuff on NXT. I get the the atmosphere is the fucking dirt worst. Yeah, the atmosphere sucks, and it, it didn't change this week. We'll talk about it a little bit as well, even though yeah. some people thought it changed. I, I did not think it changed. But uh, Roel Mendoza, is he in the fight pit? Yes, put him in there. Uh, Rinku. Oh, put those big Indian oh, the, guys? Oh, absolutely. Just like Killian absolutely. Dane. Just like Killian Dane. I want, like, freak show early UFC where it's like, oh, here's this yeah. dude. This dude's 5'6", and this guy's 7 foot tall. What's going to happen? We don't know. We'll find out. Like, yeah, you got Malcolm Bivens hanging on the scaffold looking over the top. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Uh, Roddy, what about Roderick Strong? Of course. Absolutely. Tim Thatcher, of course. Uh, Daddy's home. <laughs> Get him yeah, out of here. Him. Tyler Breeze, no. Oh, Dream, no. <laughs> Get out of here. no. Velotine. Uh and then Zach Gibson. I think we are both putting in the. In the I'll fight put him in, but not. But yeah, I'm not putting the partner. But I'll put I'll put Gibson in there. I'll split the tag team up. Yeah, look, there's a lot of potential there. You want to go? You want to go women? I just say, yeah. I mean, if I'm putting Aaliyah in, am I really leaving anyone out? I mean, let's be honest. I, you know, I'm reading this roster right now. It's a pretty good fight pit roster too. 
Let's got hear a, it. Aaliyah, who, you know, <laughs> you're putting in for... I'm putting her in there for the yucks. Absolutely. Right. I mean, she just gets destroyed, yeah. but, you know, it's fine. Right. She can't do much else. You know, even, look, if you're having a fight pit promotion, you still need jobbers, right? Right. So, yeah, absolutely, Aaliyah's in the fight pit. Uh, Candice LeRae, I'm not putting in the fight pit. Mm, no. Nah. I don't know. She's tough. I'm not putting her in the fight pit. Those PWG bloodbaths, right? You're getting, to, you're getting, you're getting John Gargano adjacent here. You got to be careful. That's true. It's we're flying too close to the sun. She's right. Out. Yeah. Mommy eats first type stuff. Uh, Chelsea Green. I'm not putting Chelsea in there. No, I'm not. Yeah, I've had enough of her. Period. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dakota Kai, hundred percent. Oh, after what uh, I can saw you imagine? Knox, Kai and Knox pitting that pitting that hair back and going there. to fucking work. Oh my god, let's go. Yeah, do it. Uh, Io Shirai, absolutely fight pit. Yes. Jasmine yes. Duke, of course. Uh, Casey, I think, would be fun because she thinks that, like, it's fun and then, like, someone just taps her out. You know what I mean? She's, like, climbing on it and stuff. And uh, Casey Catanzaro. Oh, Casey Catanzaro. Yeah. Like, you could put her in there for the same reasons you put Aaliyah in there. Yeah, well, she yeah. thinks it's, like, fun. She's, like, climbing out and stuff. And then, like, fucking, you know, Jasmine Duke just grabs her and backflips her. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, Caden Carter, you were, putting, you were putting in the fight pit. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, Maria Shafir, of course. Mercedes Martinez, yeah, absolutely. Oh fight my pit. god! Can you, can you imagine? Kidding? Yeah, uh, Mia Yim, I'm putting in the fight pit. Get, Mer- get Martinez in there with Thatcher. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mia Yim, Raquel Gonzalez. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Rhea Ripley, yes. You were right. This is this is a great fight pit. <laughs> it's awesome fight pit roster. Yeah. Uh, Santana and Scarlett, I am not, I'm not letting them in the fight pit. Unfortunately, sorry. Uh, no, I don't want Scarlet in the fight pit. And Santana and... Garrett doesn't go to the oh, fight Oh, Santana pit. Garrett, no, she don't belong in the fight pit. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart is an interesting one. I think she could be oh, in the fight no, pit. Oh, no, she's a sure. fight pit. Oh, okay. absolutely. She's an easy one. No brainer. Because she's got, she's got the guts and the intestinal That's fortitude. True. She's going to ride to the fight pit in a tank, Rich, and then hop in the fight pit. So, absolutely, you put her in there. The fucking helmet, all of it, no doubt. Uh, Tegan Knox, of course. Yes. Her and Dakota just have... Fucking brawls. Uh, you're putting in Vanessa Bourne. You know? Yes, get her in there. And then Zia, uh, Zia Lee. Of course, Zia Lee's got to be in there. Yeah, martial arts expert. <laughs> yeah. You know, as it fits the gimmick. Dude, this so. is great. So now, like, yeah, it, we have Daddy's Home and, and Gargano are in one side. And, and fucking Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole are humping each other and, and having 40-minute everybody kick out of bullshit stuff. And that's fine. That's on that end. And then we have pretty much the rest of the rosters is Fight Pit people. So we're good. <sighs> we got it. <laughs> I just burnt a lot of energy talking about that. I love the fight pit. I am such a f- I am a fight pit guy. But don't ruin it because you're right. They're going to put Daddy's home in there. You're right about that. You know, so that's a shame. We might get Daddy's home versus uh, Cross in there at some point. Oh, you're right. God. <laughs> uh, that's and that's why I don't watch NXT sometimes. So. So let's All talk right. about this plexiglass. Yeah, let's talk about the plexiglass. And, and you said uh, we had people uh, standing for seven hours. Joe, we find out that they were literally standing for seven hours. Why did they do this? How Why did, did it... they provide chairs? <laughs> I don't understand. Why the can't fuck? you sit in between matches? I don't understand. Um, this company is so weird. It's so weird. Okay, I'll be honest. The, I hated the plexiglass. I thought it was terrible. It was weird. What's the What's the point of the plexiglass? I don't know. (laughs) What's the medical purpose of the plexiglass? If they're all going to be sitting right next to each other, like, 
are they protecting the people in the ring from Boa? Like, I, wh- what is the point? I don't know. It I just... guess they're trying to say it's like a shield for their breath or something like that. But they're not. They're not next to the people anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's not like they're yeah, on they're, top. They're not next to that. And they're next to each other on the other <laughs> right, side. Right. The fourth threat is the 20 people next to each other behind the plexiglass. And you're all in the same building together. And they're all NXT wrestlers. It's like they're train. Are they training? I don't even know if they're training. Is the PC open? I don't know. The uh, Dave, I think on a, a recent observer said that it's not open, but I don't know. I find that hard to believe. So, I hope that thing's open. So it's like, what's the, the plexiglass is just a PR move. It's just like, they're doing it's performative you know it's like just get rid of the glass you know aw has had guys around the ring for months now no one's stopping them it'll be okay get rid of dopey plexiglass but the word but aside from the plexiglass aside from the fact that they've got these people standing for seven to ten hours okay some of which have had knee surgeries recently and they're out there standing for seven to ten hours. They've even managed to botch this, despite the fact that they've had AEW to model it after, in terms of the authenticity of it. Rich, it comes off so inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, chanting this is awesome right on cue when you're supposed to chant this is awesome. And whereas the AEW people at ringside come off like they're just having a good time and, you know... Uh, the WWE stuff has come off like a studio audience where the light goes on to applaud. Where in this case, it's everybody cheer, everybody boo, everybody chant, this is awesome now. Uh, Just so inauthentic. Right, it feels like when I was watching it, it felt like they would stop. And and I'm not saying that they literally did this, but this is how it felt because you mentioned how inauthentic. It felt like like a spot would happen. They would stop and be like, okay, now we're going to have you guys do this. Or, hey, react like this to the spot. And they go, okay, everybody got it? Good, all right. Uh, And go. And then they do the spot. Hey, this is awesome. This is, you know what I mean? Like, it felt like that for sure. And, like, the other thing, too, is they did, like, the the, the pans where they, they showed the people in the audience. I think they, the room is set up is so weird because there's still like a thousand feet of space behind the people. And it looks even worse in a way that it's like there's 20 people in this giant warehouse behind plexiglass. And I'm just like, what are we doing? It's so weird. Here's the other thing too. They don't need to be at a fever pitch every moment. Like you're watch If you watch them behind the glass, they're always either pumping their fists or raising their hands right, up. They're, they're the a video air. game. They're a crowd in a video game that's just constantly exactly. standing up and screaming the entire time. It's like, all right, come on, get out of here. Yeah, which again, it hurts the authenticity of it. And we saw they've had months worth of tape to look at from not just AEW, but other companies, you know, in Japan and everything else to to pick the best and worst of it if they were going to. And they needed to desperately do this. Rich, we've been screaming about it. Oh, absolutely. No, no. This is the right, overall the right call. But yeah, definitely um, execution left a little to be desired. Uh, it's, it's you know, they, they just find a way to fuck everything up. It's, it's, it's really incredible how just nothing they do in that company, with the exception of the fight pit, ever comes off authentic or natural or, or, or just cool. I, is that the word I'm looking for? Nothing's ever can just be cool in that company. And maybe that's a reason why they don't connect with anyone under the age of 50. It's just forced and inauthentic and, and shitty. Even something as simple as this where they had the template. 
Yeah, because I think the AEW template for the crowd, and again, I don't know, and I, I'm not quite sure, but I think the the the, the, the template is okay. Hey, boo the baby face or, or boo the heels, cheer the baby faces. But more than anything, just react and make as much noise as you possibly can when it, it it's reasonable to do that. So when it's a big move happens. It's not yeah, even yeah. a heel baby face thing because they've got the baby faces on one side and the heels right, on the exactly. other. Right, right, right. And they root for their own, really. I mean, it's just like so. It's it's not even a matter. Of, it's just they're at, they feel like they're look. They're obviously being performative as well, but for whatever reason, right? The volume is being turned up on every anytime there's a spot or a big move or whatever. It's okay. Get as loud as humanly possible about it if, if you can or whatever. But then come down a little bit, like you said. And the big thing with NXT is it's just like constant jumping, constant fifths bumping, constant yay, yay, yay. Like like literally, they paid them a hundred dollars and said, go out into the crowd and, and cheer. And and yeah. It definitely comes across like they're being asked to react a certain way, whereas the AEW wrestlers, it feels like they're hanging out together like pals and just having a good time. And that's almost accidentally providing the atmosphere they're looking for. You know, they're, they're bantering, they're having fun, they're uh, in some cases, uh, you know, doing their own mini angles out there and just having fun with it. It just comes across more natural. And maybe the WWE guys will get the hang of it. And maybe if it isn't so regimented where it's like, all right, we're going to tape three TV shows today. You know, by the middle of the second one, they've got to be tired. Even if they're not literally standing for all seven hours, which I'm sure they're not. I'm sure they're, they're allowed to go to the back between. Or I hope so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. I'm Would it surprise you? Would it surprise you if that wasn't true? But that they're no, getting sure. breaks and stuff. But 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 the whole idea of just doing that many hours of TV with them out there, and then the glass just makes it weird. And and like I, I said, the, the thing that annoyed me more than anything, I don't know if it annoyed anybody else, is like the space between the wrestlers and, or the, the the wrestlers in the crowd, and then the back walls of the place. And I don't know how you. I guess I don't know how you fix that exactly. But like you, you, you know what I mean. Like it's just like they did a pan, and it's like there's 20 people in this giant room, and it almost looked worse in that way. Whereas like for some reason AEW's been able to do it pretty well, where it doesn't feel so empty and hollow. And Daily's place has been a oh my god, a perfect venue for them to do this. But like still, there are empty seats and there's empty space. But for whatever reason, they just they filled it with stuff. Whereas like you did this pan of NXT, and it's like you know the single row of 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 people all around the ring. And then there's just abyss of concrete behind them. And it's just like, I, aesthetically, it just looked terrible. And then, yeah, the plexiglass certainly didn't help at all. So with all that said, I mean, I do think it's improved it somewhat. Um, just having the noise and having it not come from a machine, I think improves it to some degree, but it is clunky and um, it is poorly executed, but it's also their first crack at it. Maybe they come back next week with no plexiglass Mm -hmm. or maybe they, I don't know. They just adjust and like you're saying, get them a little closer somehow. I I don't know, but I don't think that's going to happen because in WWE, you have to have that template ring set up with the same amount of room available to brawl in. And they're, they're instructed to always dive on the same side and you can't really fuck well, I guess you can, but they're not going to fuck. They're not the going to set yeah. up their they ring. Just, they just they're, don't do that. Yeah, they have their entrance way. They have their their padded area around the ring. You have your announcer area. You have the one side that you always do the dives on. You've got the hard cam side. They're taught to work to certain to do certain things to certain. So they're not going to fuck with that and move the quote unquote fans closer. I can't see them doing that. They're too regimented to do that. 
Um, but I, 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 it's clunky, but it is, I do think it is added something. You disagree. You still think it stinks. I still think it stinks, but I do think that it's all there. Like, like you're saying, I, I do think in time, once they kind of maybe adjust or well, hopefully adjust or, or kind of rework stuff a little bit that it will, I think the noise definitely helped. The noise absolutely helped me a little bit, but I, I think it's still got a little ways to go until I feel like it's really helped overall, but, but. No, I mean it's on the right path for sure. I, 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 I'll prefer this in weeks' time over the dead silence of you know an empty warehouse or whatever. So I, I prefer this over over the what we've had you know the prior few months. So for sure. Is Mikey Gooch a fight pit guy? Mikey Gooch. I don't know what the what is Mikey Gooch. Do I know? I don't know anything about Mikey Gooch. He's the raccoon guy. Yeah, but what what is his deal? Like what's his thing? He's a comedy actor. Oh, is he? I assume he's just in one of what? <laughs> what's he ever been in? He's seen him. He does a lot of comedies, but he's never like he's always like a side character or a. I don't want to say cameo because you have to be a star for it to be considered a cameo. But like a, he does characters. He does mm. uh, zany comedy shit. You <laughs> sounds, Google him and you know who he is. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, he's a. Is he a fight pit guy with the raccoon makeup? <laughs> he's known for Deported, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. How to be single and clapper. I don't know what any of these movies are. So that's yeah. I mean, that's about right. Yeah. Office Out there with, uprising. Uh, Out there with Vitor Belfort. Yeah, cool. <laughs> cool. Mickey now Gooch. Vitor Belfort's a fight pit. Oh, he is a fight pit guy for sure. Rashad Evans fight pit. John Jones fight pit. Yeah, for sure. Mike Tyson fight pit. Why did I say John Jones? I John Jones wasn't there. <laughs> they, they wish John Jones. <laughs> he was still a fight. He's still a fight pit guy. I mean, though. Regardless. He's a fight pit guy for sure. Yeah, that'd be some but, nice publicity. Uh, hey, oh, that, oh, hey, there's Sean Jones too. Cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I saw some people saying, and I, I don't think they meant it in bad faith, but they're like, "Give me Floyd Mayweather or Conor McGregor." Now we're talking, and it's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah twenty-five million dollars to get Floyd to <laughs> right. get out of bed. Yeah, sure, yeah. that'd be great. So when you can't sell a ticket on top of it, I mean, that's a whole other ball game. Like now, you know, you really got to draw some serious money to make back that investment. But, um. Yeah, no, but of course you would love it. <laughs> yes, I agree. Floyd yeah. Mayweather is better, a bigger deal. Uh, than, yeah. Than, yeah, but. Right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Christ. All right. Uh, I think that's it for America. Are we ready to uh, to jump into the land of Japan? Yeah, I think we are. And um, I had to drag Rich kicking and screaming. <laughs> he had proclaimed that he was Done. Done. Capital with D. The former, All caps. The, D-O-N-E. Done. Done. With the former green ring. Can't call it the green ring anymore. Can I still call it the green ring? You can still call it the green ring for sure, yeah. Because whatever they have now sucks. So, yeah. Go with the green ring. He was done with the Noah. He had enough. He couldn't take any more Sakuraba <laughs> or Shrek or Nosawa out of the question or Rene Dupree or whoever else. Rattels. Uh, Rattels, Ironhead Fujita. Rich had enough. He's like, I'm not watching Noah anymore. But I am here to tell you, listener, that I have reeled him back in. I assured Captain Krejci that the GHC national title match between Takashi Sugera and Katsuhiku Nakajima was a legitimate banger. I assured him that there was an angle, a big angle, that they, the likes of which they've never done before. <laughs> Brand new original. You're not going to believe. Joe, you're not going to believe what happens in this angle. But we're going to talk about it here. The listener is probably on 
pins and needles wondering what we're talking about here. In the junior heavyweight tag team semifinal. And not only did I talk Rich into watching those two matches, Rich, you watched the whole show. Watched the whole show, yeah. Why well, did you do that to yourself? I don't know. I woke up early and I hit play and I was doing some other stuff and I was already like halfway through it at that point. I was like, ah, what's another hour? So I watched the whole show. I'm glad I did. There was a match in the undercard that I really liked, so. Look at that. I got Krejci back into the Noah. I reeled him back in. Um, we'll get to the undercard, but let's go right to the top. Did I steer you in the right direction with the Sugera Nakajima main event, which, by the way, went a very scary 30 minutes because that's been your problem with the Noah. These 30-minute no-fan matches where that just wear out their welcome. Did this one work for you? Absolutely did fucking great yeah i love this thank you <laughs> thank you for steering me in the right direction you did it you did it yeah this was uh Woo! the 30 minutes went by quick because these are two good wrestlers i realized that 30 minute matches with the bad wrestlers are bad and 30 minute matches with the good wrestlers oh would you imagine good. that could you imagine that <laughs> <It's>, yeah <laughs> when they do stuff it's fun <laughs> when they have action well, hold on let me get this straight so you're telling me renee dupree doing a 30 minute tag team match <laughs> It's a big difference than two of the best wrestlers in the world doing it. Turns out that is indeed correct, Joe. I I am as stunned as you are by this revelation. But, uh, yeah, that's fucking rocked, man. This was really good action between these two guys. And more than anything, man, after 30 minutes, the I mean, when you talk about the finish of this match and how it ended and really how it was worked throughout as well. I mean, you're you're left thinking, my God, Nakajima is the fucking biggest killer in the world. And And they shot it well, too. I've been having a lot of issues with how Noah's production's been. Dude, this was shot so well where, you know, and, and, and I guess I'll just, not of course, going to spoil it here in a sec, but like the final minute, if you haven't seen it, go watch the entire match, of course, but definitely go and make sure you're, you're paying attention to the last few minutes, maybe the last two minutes or whatever, because Nakajima gets Segura on the ground. Segura is just within an inch of his life. He's on his all fours, trying to get breath back, trying to get to his feet, trying to, with anything, trying to keep this title. And out of nowhere, and they shot it perfectly too. Out of nowhere, Nakajima comes with a fucking like punt and just punts this guy's head off and then lays on him for the pin. Eye to eye, lays for him on the pin. One, two, three. Just takes his fucking title. Takes his I am the captain now, is what Nakajima said here. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. just sucked the life out of this guy. Kicked his head off, took his head, and then laid on him and said, Nope, that title's mine, and get hit the bricks, old man. You're done. That's fucking ruled. This match was awesome. Yeah, the closing stretch was incredible. Um, the finish was great. You summed it up perfectly. Uh, he didn't beat him. He just he finished him. There's a difference between beating a man and, and just finishing a man. This was fight pit style action. At the end <laughs> it of was. You know, I would love to see these two in the fight. Talk about two fight pit guys. You know, that's Nakajima and Segura. But uh, this ruled. And I think that the whole national title thing, which a lot of people were iffy on, I think it's worked. I don't mind a secondary heavyweight belt. And it's not really a heavyweight belt either. Um, it's just a secondary belt in this company. I think it, it it has worked pretty well. In fact, I mean, I've enjoyed the national title stuff since they rolled it out more than the mainline GHC stuff because I'm not really into go right now. Um, you know, I didn't really love the staring match. That, you know, we talked about that. 
but the national title stuff always seems to land. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like the style that this belt has so far. So yeah, this yeah. you know halfway through the match, I'm, I'm you know I'm forgetting. Oh yeah, this isn't even the, the main title. Like you know what I mean? Like you don't even think that because these guys are living and dying and and doing whatever they can to win this. So yeah, I'm not you know I'm not too worried that it's it's the secondary title because so far they've treated it. As you know, we always say there's a difference between the secondary title and one A and one B. So far, I feel like this is one B, which is good. Yeah, it does feel like a one B. Yeah, it definitely doesn't <laughs> feel like you know some Jabron title. Um, and 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 the matches have all been excellent and hard hitting. So I think that this title so far has worked out pretty well. Um, so let's talk about this junior tag title match. It was Rattels who they continue to build the junior division around in a lot of ways and, and um, you know, Hayata and, and Yohei here defending against Katero Suzuki and Yoshinari Ogawa. Now there's a lot to unpack here because Rich, you were sort of on a Noah moratorium. You may have missed that Suzuki beat Ogawa for the junior title. So he ended Ogawa's reign, but they're like stable mates. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it all kind of made sense when this match happened, because now you have Hayata turn on Yohei and join Stinger, so the match technically ends in a no contest, right? But it's like, then, in shows that I don't think, I haven't seen them yet, and I don't even know if they're floating around yet, but eventually, Ogawa and Hayata win the junior titles. You know, the vacant junior titles. Um, I think it was Yohei, and I want to say Tarasuke, who were the opponents. I'm not 100% positive, but I'm, I'm, you know, when that show pops up, I'm going to watch it. But so, okay, so this all makes sense when you put the puzzle pieces together. Ogawa loses the singles title, but he loses it to a stablemate, which keeps the title in Stinger. And now Ogawa is teaming with the guy who turned on Rattels, right? And is now one half of the junior tag team champions. So Ogawa continues his push. Stinger now has both of the titles, which is good, right? And Ogawa is not just teaming with the guy who turned on Rattels. He also is teaming with the guy who he originally beat for the junior title to begin with in January. Right. Because he beat Hayata for the title. So, yeah, you get the Hayata-Yohei split for the 9,000th time. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and the announcers are like, oh, no. And, like, Yohei's like, no. And Tetsuke is like, oh, my God. I'm like, well, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> I mean, last time I think Yohei was three was months ago, old- didn't it? No, it was, it was, the, uh, the, it was the opposite scent. On, it, uh, it was Yohei that turned on. Hayata, but I, I just find it hilarious. It's like, no, dear God, he turned. It's like, you guys have so had yeah, a pretty shaky relationship for a while. I, I'm not too surprised by this. It's like the Doi Yoshino thing, except that's always Doi turning on Yoshino, like every time, you know, and it's kind of yeah, like the Sting running Flair joke. too, where it's just like Stinger's like, yeah, I, I'm trust you this time, Rick. Like, you're not going to screw me this time. I'm not going to do it, Sting. I'm not. And then, he, you know. And him. I mean, and, and listen, let me be clear. That Hayata and Yohei are no Doi and Yoshino. Okay. <laughs> or Stinger Ric Flair. Yeah. Let me be very clear. Like, the comparison ends with the constant, uh, yeah. you know, uh, turns. Um, because, like, Hayata and Yohei are, like, they're, like, the most dollar store version of Masato Yoshino and the Rookie Doi, just to be clear. You're talking about two great wrestlers, two of the best of their generation, and then Rattels. I mean, <laughs> Hayata and Yohei, yes. We're not, yeah. I mean, and then it's, men with purple hair, so. Right. So, it, you know, two guys who flip a lot, um, you know, but in their trash so, bag jeans and <laughs> trash bag gear. They stink. They're such indie junk. They're just indie junk. Right. Like they're fucking trash bag pants. And yeah, it's, it's 
And then you got fucking Fight Pit Ogawa on the because he's a Fight Pit. Oh, guy. oh my God! First ballot Fight Pit guy for sure. So you got Fight Pit Ogawa on the other side, and it's like, and then you got Rattels, and you're just like, God, I just root for him to rip their fucking limbs off every time he gets in the ring with them. He, that guy he gets pretty close. Awesome. He gets very, very close too, which is why he's who's incredible. a better who's a better limb worker than that guy? Oh, he's the best. I mean, yeah, he just he picks out a limb and he decimates it. You know. I'm doing my top 30 wrestlers of the first one-third of the year behind the paywall on the $10 tier. And Yoshinari Ogawa might pop up, Rich. He might pop up on that list. He may have popped up already, but if you want to read that, it's going to be in four parts. The honorable mentions are out, the people who just barely missed the cut. And then I've got, uh, I split it into thirds. So I've got 21 through 30. That's out already. Yesterday, I put out 11 through 20 with some surprising picks. And that's out already. And then the top 10 is going to come out in the next couple of days. And I know for sure that there's some people that I have in that top 10 that nobody is going to see coming because it's been a weird year. You know, it's been a really weird year where a lot of great wrestlers are on the shelf and, you know, just looking at the resumes and who I've enjoyed some very uh, peculiar wrestlers sneak into that top 10, but also shockingly enough, Rich, a lot of wrestlers who you would expect there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the, the little bit, the little bit that they've wrestled has been so good that yeah, they, they yeah, it, it has been interesting. But look, you don't have to defend Ogawa as your wrestler of the year, man. I'm I'm okay with it. It's fine. Ah, uh, look, I'm not going to say not where there. he came in. <laughs> I'm not going to say where he came in on the list, but uh, you know, but 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 he's on the list. You know, I don't want to give it away. That's not fair to the people who pay to read it. But uh, let's see. Well, I give away. How about I give away one? How about how about I give away Ogawa? How about I give, we're talking about him anyway, right? Yeah, let's go for it. Ogawa's sixteenth. He's the sixteenth best wrestler this year, in too my low, view. Too low, but that's all right. No, I'm just Is that crazy? <laughs> no, it's not. He's been great. He's been incredible this year. And 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 like you said, there's this weird thing where you know when you're trying to judge this year, and I think we talked about it a few weeks ago when you're trying to judge wrestler of the year this year, or who's been the best or whatever. There are going to be your guys that are the highest of highs. You know, the guys that have had you know Eurokatas or whatever had an incredible January, an incredible early start to the year, or whatever. So he's got to be in that mix. Like you can't just say that he's not in the mix because he hasn't wrestled over the last three or four months or whatever. Or you know, uh, Naito or Ibushi or all those guys, they have to be in the mix because they start off the year so incredibly. But then there's also the attrition guy, the guys that have just continued to wrestle that, like, you need to give them some credit. It, it, it goes with the tag team. We're going to talk about them here in a little bit with Shango and, and Kaiji Tomato. It's like, on a normal year, would those guys be the tag team of the year or uh, in the mix with tag team of the year? Maybe, maybe not or whatever. But this year, it's like, you can make a justification because they've been out there and they've been making a name for themselves. They've been out there. They've, you've been seeing them a lot. And I think Ogawa's that same way, too. In a normal year, would this Ogawa be in the top 10 or the top 15? I don't know, maybe, but like now it's like, yeah, why not? You know, because he has just been out there and he's been able, while others have been on the shelf, he has been out there wrestling and having incredible matches. So no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. Do you know Yuji Okabayashi, who uh, admittedly is great. I mean, he would make these kinds of lists any year, you know, of the last, you know, 15 years or whatever the case. But do you realize that just to speak to your point of some guys are active and others are unfortunately on the shelf, like no one in Ring of Honor has wrestled. Australia has completely shut down. Right. New Japan hasn't had a match since February. Yuji Okabayashi has had world title matches and three different promotions in five months. <laughs> right. He's been in world title matches in three different promotions and, and has been in two of the best tag team matches of the year, all in like the first four months of the year within the period that I was, you know, cutting off for this little project, the first four months. 
So some guys are just out there. Daishi Hashimoto, who's had more big matches than him? He's been defending his title. His his company held their big tournament, and he was in it. So it's like he's just out there in big matches all the time. You know, and same thing with Okabayashi, and same thing with like like Matt Riddle. He's worked through the whole pandemic every week on TV. You know, some guys are just out there working and and having matches, and other guys are on the shelf, and it makes for a very wacky ranking if you're listing out, you know, if you're doing a list like I did with the top X amount of wrestlers over the course of the year. I was going to do top 20, but I extended it out to 30 because I really want to recognize a lot of the wrestlers who are having great years, some because they're just working all the time and delivering. Now, you can't just work and not deliver, right? You still got to deliver. And some because they haven't worked a ton, but their hit rate has been phenomenal, you know, and I don't want to give anything away. And it's not even maybe wrestlers that you're that you're thinking about. But there's another wrestler in the top 10 who just his two of them, really, who their hit rates have just been phenomenal. And I could not deny them. And and believe me, they're not names anyone's thinking about. So that's why I thought it was interesting. Um, but anyway, um, it's all out with the exception of the top 10. And you're not just getting a list of names. You're getting a nice little write-up for everybody and a nice, uh, you know, introductory uh, to tell you what you're going to see at the top uh, for every article as well. So, um, you know, and then a bunch of recommended matches. So a lot of work went into it. You're not just going to be – it's not like reading a phone book. So um, if you're listening to this live, you have access to it already. If not, that's on the $10 tier. And, uh, you know, I got Ogawa right in the middle there so you can see who finished ahead and behind him. But um, anyway, with this match, I was going to say, you know, it'd be real easy just to sit here and dunk on the Rattel, on Rattel's breaking up again. But I think it's more interesting how they continue to push Stinger as like these nuisances, these veteran nuisances to the junior division. And I think that's been one of the more interesting things going on in Japanese wrestling these days is Ogawa, who I've loved, and, uh, and you know, the stuff with Stinger. So uh, they eventually, I believe, win those titles again. I haven't seen the show. But um, they had a decision match on the next show. I think one ended in a DQ, and then they had another immediate. Why don't I just look it up? Why am I babbling like? (laughs) Um, so stupid, right? Why don't I just look the fucking match up so people can know what's going on? There's only a place to do Um, that. Yeah. So, Rich, what was this? As I, uh, I'm gonna pull that up. But what was this mystery match on the undercard that connected with you? Yeah, so the mystery match on the undercard that I really liked, uh, Mochizuki Mirafuji versus uh, Sagira Gun. It was Ohara and uh, Yoshioka. Uh, I thought it was really, really good action. 13 minutes, all action. I mean, it's like, it's fucking Mochizuki Mirafuji and Ohara, you know, three incredible wrestlers. But I thought this was really good. This was one of those matches I had on in the background. Like I said, I'm just kind of looking at it. I'm going, all right, yeah, yeah, talking, talking, talking. And I started, like, my attention just went completely to it. And, yeah, I just couldn't leave. And it wasn't like, there wasn't any one thing that stood out. I just thought it was really well-worked, you know, tag team wrestling. Uh, Mochizuki Mirafuji, you know, tagging each other out all the time, all action. This is the type of matches I want more. And and, and what Noah was not giving me during the Global Tag League is 13 minutes of just, Guys out there, all action, no time to get bored. Uh, yeah, I just I, I thought it was really, really, really good, and I, I was surprised I hadn't seen a, a whole lot of people talking about it. Yeah, Mochizuki's been uh, <clears throat> oh, man, got a lump in my throat. Um, in these bouts here with uh, with Marafuji, yeah, I looked it up and I had it right. So the next night they did Tarasuke and Yohei versus Hayata and Ogawa. For the vacant titles. 
and it went to a three-minute double countout. Then they immediately restart the match, and Stinger wins. So that sounds like a hot little... Mm-hmm. That does sound cool. Right? Like, you know, they brawled to the double countout. We got chicanery. We got to get them back in there. And then uh, Hayata and Ogawa end up winning the titles. So, um, you know, that freshens up. You know, I was upset when Ogawa lost the title, but it's like this gives him something new to sink his teeth into, you know, working in with as the tag team champions. So that was the show that Muda worked. They had Muda and Marafuji on top against uh, Mochizuki and Sakuraba. So Muda and Sakuraba in the same match, Rich. <laughs> I saw Muda and Shrek. Not for a, me. <laughs> Mac, a few shows ago, they had Muda and Shrek on opposite sides. And they both tagged in, and I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be the worst shit in the history of pro wrestling, right? But it quickly ended. Like, Muda gave him a shining wizard and then just pinned him. Okay, that's fine. I'm okay. If, if, as long um, as it only lasts four seconds, then, then then I'm okay, I guess. Yeah. But uh, so let's see. The rest of this show, uh, anything else jump out at you? Tadasuke beat Kenya Okada in the opener. Kenya Okada looks pretty good for Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy. He was pretty good. Tadasuke, well, he was also in the match, so that's good. Yeah, then there this was is a an anti sales podcast. We can't tell, so sorry. It's a couple six man tags. I mean, Tadasuke is fine if he's in. Look, these Rattel guys are fine as like undercard. Yeah, I just like to skip them in the undercard or just watch them as I'm getting ready for the the real show. But yeah, I don't want them in my fucking tag titles and and winning the, the yeah yeah whatever. It, it is. What it's, it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, what yeah. Uh, decent Hayate and Yote, Yohei, yeah, decent. They're fine. Guys. Yeah, decent little good good little workers, as you like to say. They've never really advanced their act, though. They're like, they're not, you know, they're just flippy-doo guys. They're just indie flippy-doo guys. Um, Segura Gun was in the six-man. The thing with Segura Gun and the, uh, uh, it, it, they change members constantly. Like, I couldn't even sort out, like, who's in it right now. Like, it seems like every show they're reshuffling the deck. And there's, like, a million guys in the unit to begin with. So that whole thing has been very confusing. And there was a, one other singles match. Keito Kiyomiya beat uh, Kotoge. Which, you know, just keeps Keo Mio warm. You know, former champion. He's a top guy. I thought he was good in this so, match. Uh, I liked I liked, yeah, his, he was I liked his work here. This is really good. And this is another good match. I'm like pretty much from this point forward, everything was was somewhat decent on, on the show. The Mochizig Marafuji tag I said I liked, uh Kiyomiya Kotogi I, I, I liked, and then the junior tag, for whatever it was, it was still fine. Like, you know what I mean? Knowing what what you know what came at the end and, and, and the angle yeah. and whatnot, it wasn't it didn't feel like an eight, a wasted eighteen minutes either. And then yeah, the main event fucking rocked, so I reeled you back in. Here, I'm back in. I'm back in. I, I just got to, what I have to do is just skip the shit that I know I'm not going to like. Yeah. It's just, I got to do that. I just can't, I can't do Sakuraba. I can't do like, there's, we're going to talk about the match coming up. There is a world title match that I, you gunpoint. I'm not watching that fucking match, Joe. At gunpoint, oh, I'm not watching it. So, oh yeah. I almost forgot to bring that up. So we have to talk about the next challenger for go. I'm so glad you brought that up. So, Akatoshi Saito. Uh, what are they doing, Rich? Now I have to say, I, I know what you're going to say, and I do agree. But yeah, go, go set it up, and I will say that I agree with your with the point that you're going to bring up. But I'll ahead. defend it, and then you can bury it. Okay. Look, there's no fans. If there's ever a time to do a title match like this, it's now because you don't need it to draw, and I think it's one of his. You know, the Japanese love their anniversaries. I think this is like. His 30th anniversary, whatever year it is. So they were going to do something for him at some point this year anyway. Uh, He's 54 years old. He's grossly out of shape. 
there's almost no chance that the match is going to be. Could the match be good? No. I won't be great. <laughs> no, <laughs> it can't be great. I mean, maybe, but probably not. Could it be good enough to where the deep pearl hipsters claim it's great? Oh, I no matter what. Yeah, no, they'll say it's great no matter what. Will they though? Because yes. I think it could be bad yes. enough to where everyone no. says. Have you met these people, Joe? Have you talked with these people? Thankfully, I've never met them. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. I mean. Come on. I, you know they're going to say this is good no matter what. Look, I know it's going to stink. But what I'm saying is, is there a chance that Saito channels something? Do you remember that Global League like three years ago? Yes, I do. And he was pretty damn shockingly good. It was whatever. It was a while ago because Lance Archer was in that Global League. So it was when um, Suzuki Gun was in Noah. So it might have been 2016 or something. But I remember Archer and Saito in particular had a really good match. And Saito, for whatever reason, like went into the Fountain of Youth. And for some reason, he was good. And then he was just bad again. And now we're like four or five years on. He's 54. Okay? There's no shot that it's great, especially with no fans. Is there any chance it's good? You say no. I, I say probably not, but I do think that there's at least a slight chance that I guess there's a slight chance that he just has like the fucking match of his life and goes out there and works his ass off and does everything he can to make it. I suppose that that is possible. I just don't know if, if I, I don't know if Go Shiozaki's the guy that's going to make that happen. That's all I'll say. I like Go, but I don't know if he's that dude. You know what I mean? This matchup. Um, yeah. It's going to be I fucking mean, 35 minutes and bore me to fucking tears is what it's going to be. So. Uh, you know, I mean, really, they should go like 18 minutes. Because the other thing is, you shouldn't have this guy take go to the limit either. Because he's 54, and he's not pushed, and he hasn't been pushed in years. Right, what you need to do, if you're, if you're going to do it, is, is, is Go's got a guy to run on him, he, he, he puts him on the mat, and then a kick out at one. and You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be that sort of stuff. Where this guy just won't go down. Like, Shiozaki's doing all he can to beat this guy, but he just won't die. He just won't die. Maybe he has one or two spots, hope spots, and then Shiozaki puts him away. That Then I'm fine, but it's probably not going to be that. So, Yeah, I don't know. There's a way to do it where it's like the old guy got his final title shot, and it was entertaining, and he went out on his sword. Yeah, Like you're saying. But like you're going wrong... to have to kill me to beat me, you know. Because this is my last chance. Right. But he shouldn't. Like, Go should always be firmly in control. I don't think there should be any point in the match where there's, like, a stretch where Go is kicking out at 2.9. It's like, because that kind of makes your champion look bad because the guy's 54 and he doesn't, you know, it, it's, you get the idea here. It'd be like giving Nakanishi a title shot against Naito and he takes him to the limit. That's not how you do that match. And it's not how New Japan would do that match. And now people are going to get mad at me because I compared New, but you get the idea. Normal people get the idea. Um, but yeah, so... But the thing is, it's no fans, right? So it doesn't really matter. It, these are the... Like, all Japan has been teasing Suwama versus Yoshitatsu. And they haven't done a triple crown match with no fans yet. But if they do Suwama versus Yoshitatsu, I mean, that's the kind of match you would do when... You don't want to burn off a match that can draw money, is all I'm saying. So... You know, Saito getting a title shot isn't going to draw any kind of real money. So I'm not all bent out of shape about it. It did kind of come out of left field, but 
I don't know. Yeah, no, I get why it's I, like this is the perfect time to do that sort of thing because it's like it's not going to affect business in any way, and it's it. I get the nod to the old guy. I, I get it. It's just not the old guy I want to see. I'm just not particularly excited about it. But there is a way that I think they could structure the match where I might enjoy it. But I'm, I don't know, not really. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not optimistic. It's going to be that way. So we have a Sugera gun update in the chat room because we do this live now. We have the benefit of posing questions to people. Here's who we think have been kicked out of Segura Gun now. Okay, you ready? Okay, yeah. Dick, Dick Togo, Shrek, Cosma Sakamoto, and Ironhead Fujita mm. are now out of Segura Gun. So it, it just – I feel like every show the members shift and change. So now Segura Gun, of course, is yeah, Shrek. How long was Shrek in there for? Two months? Not long. Just the Global League and kicked him to the curb. But the thing is, I think guys like Togo, Shrek, and Fujita aren't really full-time. Exactly. Either. So they come in, they're freelance for their two-month little run or whatever, and then they bounce. So What are you going to do with Fujita once he lost a go? Like, where do you go from there? Um, Hopefully never see him again if it's me, but that's, you know. <laughs> Captain Kreich going for the throw. These throat. guys suck. I'm sorry. I think Ironhead brings something limited to the table i enjoy he had some really good matches in the run-up to the staring match i mean you like them too that's true some of those tags and um and shrek i mean he's got a good look <laughs> i mean the guy stinks don't get me wrong but he <laughs> he looks the part he his, looks the part for sure that's yeah we talked about his spider chart right like he has a great look like you know um dick togo obviously i have no problem with dick togo and Cosma sakamoto I mean, you know, he's an indie scummer in all of the he's an indie scummer in all of the right ways, I guess. It's like you bring him in, but he's another guy who can wear out his welcome. But it looks like Sagara Gun now, his his boys look to be Sakuraba, Nosawa, uh Dupree, O'Hara, who who O'Hara, by the way, has done next to nothing. Since Nosawa got the book, they just haven't figured out what to do with it. Yeah, it's been kind of interesting, which is strange given how talented I think he is. But okay, he was, he was really a feature junior for years, for a while there. I mean, uh, and then uh, Yoshioka and Sagara, of course, and that might be everyone. I might be forgetting one or two guys. Um, and I don't know if they did any more angles um, in the last two shows that they had, but. Um, Oh, yes, that's the update on Segura Gun. Rich, that's enough, Noah. Um, King of Gate. Yeah. Neither of us were impressed. Was it last week or the week before? I can't remember. It was last week. Yeah, last week's show. Okay, so, oh, we're now told Hajime O'Hara is out of oh, Segura. Jesus Christ, here we what, go. <laughs> what kind of unit is this? Yeah, who, who's, the, the Segura's leadership is, is really has to be called into question here. It is. I mean, why even have a unit at this point? It changes literally every show. It's going to be down to Rene Dupree and 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 um, <laughs> oh, who's the, who's the tag partner? Uh, 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 what's his face? A fucking Junior, uh, Dr. Wagner. El, El Hijo yeah. D. Dr. Wagner Jr. It, that's it's going to be down to. <laughs> it's just those two left. Yeah, that's... And it's like at that point, bring back Ironhead, please. I Fujita, Dick Togo, and Shrek are wildly more interesting and yes. cool. Yes, actually, I would like that to be a unit. Let's make that a unit, because now we're talking a little bit. Yeah. And O'Hara, like, the guys he's kicking out. Yeah, he's kicking out some talented guys. I don't know what he's doing here. 
Dick Togo and O'Hara, I, I, those are building blocks of your unit. You don't just send those guys off to the fucking... Okay, so O'Hara, Kotoge, oh, and Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, no, listen. O'Hara's out. O'Hara's out. But so's Yoshioka. So it's O'Hara, Yoshioka, and Kotoge have formed a new unit. Ooh, okay, okay. And their name is Full Throttle. Oh, that's a good name. I like. Okay. This is uh, uh, thanks to Philip Pahick. <laughs> that's not how you pronounce it. Well, why do you say it? I don't know. Philip. He's a good listener. <laughs> he's a very good listener. I do not believe it is. What's his last? Don't laugh at me. What's no, his last name? No, no. He's going to tell you. He says I say it wrong every time anyway. Uh, he, he called in recently. I think it's Philippe. Uh, and Philippe. Uh, okay, Yeah, Philippe. I think he said oh. that I say his, his name wrong every single time anyway, so he doesn't care anymore. So Okay, so Ohara, Yoshioka, and Katoge are now full throttle. The part-timers are gone. The old part-timers. Togo, Shrek, and Fujita are gone. Okay. Cosmo Sakamoto's gone. I don't hate it. Those three guys are full throttle. And Rich, there's a new member of Segura Gun. You ready? Oh, this Ken- is why I stopped watching Noah. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, but go ahead. Endo Caution. Yeah, that that when I, I remember when I read that news, I said, you know what? I'm done with Noah for a little while. That's enough Noah for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'm good for a little while. That's enough Noah. You guys enjoy it. Have fun watching fucking Kendo Caution and Sakuraba yeah. and all these bullshit guys. Uh I'll be watching something else. But Okay. And apparently I pronounced his name correct. What so how fuck? about that? Oh my god. All right, so that's enough, Noah. We'll untangle that web another week. Yeah. Because uh, it'll change 19 more times, and now you're out again because who could sit through Kendo Kashin? But but good to see Kendo Kashin land on his feet and get a job. I mean, you know, we thought the guy was stuck in America. Yeah, yeah, good for him that he was able to get here <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad the man's got a job, but yeah, not. Uh, I don't really want to watch him wrestle, though. That's, that's fucked up. So we did King of Gate a couple of weeks ago. Well, Joe, we they had to do it, even though, you know. New Japan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Bush Road yeah. executives cut their pay by 95% to make sure that nobody got fired. And, you know, but. And literally every other wrestling company has been hiring people. <laughs> but wait a minute, Rich. <laughs> WWE is a publicly traded company and they have to serve the people. Right. So how do you count? But isn't Bushi Road a publicly traded company that also has to serve mm. the people? They are, yes. Have they fired anyone? I don't believe so. I think Sinclair Broadcast is a publicly traded company, too. So. Yeah, I think Anthem <laughs> is a much smaller company, than WWE, but they're hiring people. Is that correct, Rich? They are, yeah. They've hired multiple wrestlers, isn't yeah. that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. ROH has given people new contracts, Flip mm-hmm. Gordon. Mm-hmm. Have they cut anyone? I don't think so. No? How about Impact, who obviously are doing no, hiring, yeah. kick-ass business? Have they fired anybody, or have they hired people? They hired, actually, believe it or not. Tasha Steeles, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Um, others as well that I'm forgetting. Um, yeah. Is Billy Corgan paying people out of his pocket? I think that's the to, case, uh, yeah. Didn't he offer contracts to – didn't the NWA offer everyone a contract renewal when the contracts came up? Maybe it, maybe at a lesser rate, but did they offer everyone contracts? I believe they did, yeah. Yeah, despite the fact they're making zero money. Mm-hmm. Are my facts straight on that? I think those are right, yeah. Okay. But WWE, who's set to make record profits. Yeah, which, by the way, (laughs) let's do a quick little plug here. Uh, WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston was uh, quoted in an SI, SI SI.com article. No fans, no problem. WWE on pace to post record profits in 2020. Record profits. And they not only cut a ton of on-screen talent, but Sally from accounting and Bill from live events and uh, Jack from the internet 
and uh, all of the other cubicle jockeys who they also let go, despite the fact that they're on pace for record profits. Bushi Road, losing millions, not firing anyone, giving all their executives pay cuts. Anthem, hiring wrestlers, cutting no one. ROH, not running shows, handing out contract extensions. NWA, canceling pay-per-views, losing their YouTube show, next to zero revenue. Whatever pittance, whatever pittance they're making on merchandise is the only revenue they have. Contracts came due. They offered contract renewals to everyone. And everyone didn't take them, but they offered them to everyone. They offered everyone to at least keep their jobs. Vince McMahon, set for record profits, firing people. Is there anyone left defending this? I, probably someone somewhere, but yeah. they. You can't even approach it from the publicly traded aspect. <laughs> no, that's even gone now too, yeah. Bushi Road fits the description. And like you said, is Sinclair publicly traded? I don't even know. I believe they are. Yeah, most possibly they are. I mean, but, but, I mean, ROH is a, a line item in Sinclair, but still. ROH is the speck on Sinclair's asshole. Who Sinclair, that'd be like the first thing they cut. And they've left it alone. And have re-signed people. They're, they are publicly traded. SBGI, in case you're trying to buy some Sinclair. So whenever you run stock, into yeah. people, whenever you run into people making that argument, throw Ring of Honor and New Japan in their face. You know, it, it's, there is no defense. There is none. And I know most of our listeners know that. But I'm sure that they don't mind us hammering it home again. Throwing a little dunk in there every so often, yeah. I mean, it's it's still to this point, even little old NWA. I mean, you go right down the line. It's incredible. It really is crazy. Um, so good for so good for Kendo Caution. First of all, making it back home and getting a job. Yeah, for sure. King of Gate. We were not fans of the first round. I kind of threw my hands. I said, you know what? From this point forward, I'm going with good Rex and good Rex only. You have been soldiering through. What's going on in the second round of King of Gate? Yeah. <laughs> Joe. So I won't be watching it. Uh, you might be watching a few. There's a few matches you might be watching, but I think by and large, you could probably just uh, give it the old hand wave here if you want. Uh, Yamato KZ was good. I would definitely, if, if you are going to watch something, definitely watch that when Yamato gets the win. Uh, he moves on to the quarterfinals. Uh, Diamante, Yusuke Santa Maria uh, was the match there. Diamante gets the win. That one is pretty skippable. Which I was so pissed about this one. Ishida and Okuda were in the second round. Good matchup, right? Nice young hot wrestler in Kaito Ishida. You got Kesuke sure. Okuda, a fucking MMA dude. He looks like a million bucks. Cool as fuck. They're having a good little six-minute match, kicking the shit out of each other. They go to the outside. Ishida knocks Okuda down, runs into the ring. 20 count, count out victory for Ishida. Mm. <laughs> Don't love it, Joe. <laughs> was... So Ishida moves on. That uh, should have been a good match. It was not. I'm not loading up the DG.net. As yeah, I don't think so. Um, Nuriki Doi and Kai was fine. Nuriki Doi wins that match. He moves on to the quarterfinals. Eita versus Ben K. Didn't love it. I thought I was going to love it. I should have loved it. Didn't love it. A lot of brawling. Just, yeah, not my cup of tea. Didn't love it. And then Cosmo Sakamoto, Dragon Dia. Dragon Dia wins. As you could probably assume. Who, who won the Ben K? Uh, oh, Eita. Eita won the uh, Ben K Eita match. 
So is it Ata versus Dragon? Uh, yeah. So you now your, your quarterfinals, your matchups are these are kind of your quarterfinal block uh, finals here. Yeah. Uh, Yamato Diamita, uh, Diamante. Kaito Ishida, Nurukidoi. Diamante really sneaking through. Yeah, a real, a real miracle run here, beating Dragon Kid and, and Santa Maria to get there. So Yeah. Uh, so it's Yamato Diamante, uh, Kaito Ishida, Nurukidoi, Eita versus Dragon Dia, and that's it. Oh, so it's a three block. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So Yamato yeah. Diamante, Ishida Doi, Eita Dragon Dia. Well, that's a semifinal, right? Yes. A, then there's a three-way final. Oh, no, no. Then the losers, all right. the losers, right, there's a right, loser right, ends up right, in the right, final. Right. right. That's the gimmick. Okay, well, it doesn't sound like I have to watch anything. No, not really. <laughs> That's what I would say. Yamato KZ for sure. Um, I guess I guess it's a Ben K, but yeah, it's... I don't know, man. There's just no life to that tournament, man. I don't know. It's lifeless. It's really lifeless. I don't know why. It just is. And Dragon Gate usually isn't. It's very, very rare that Dragon Gate's lifeless. But I think a lot of the, a lot of the tropey Dragon Gate stuff just doesn't work without a crowd. You know what I mean? The, cr- the crowd brawling, the... There's just a little bit of stuff that's just, I don't know. It's just not clicking. It's just not working. Well, thankfully, this is a 2AW podcast. 2A-Dub, baby. 2A-Dub. 2A-Dub. Let's go. So we got the May 23rd show. We're following this tag team title reign of Chango and Kaiji Tomato. Oh, they're good. What a match. Another good match against Dinosaur Takuma and uh, Q Mogami here. Um, look, all these matches have been solid as fuck. This team has good energy. Um and I think this is their third successful defense in addition to the title win. And as you alluded to earlier, they're legitimately a tag team of the year contender just by the fact that they're out there working. And it's not just that they're having matches and defending their titles. They're having good matches when they defend their titles against a variety of different teams. And the booking in 2AW has been very good because usually what they'll do is a team will win a match on the undercard and set themselves up as the next challengers, and then Chango and Kaji Tomato take them down on the next show, rinse and repeat. So good, simple uh, booking. The matches have been, you know, have delivered, no nonsense, solid matches. We talked about some of them a couple weeks ago. And then this match here I thought delivered. Um, And, you know, it's – they've been a good team. I mean, you know, I I might put out a little tag team of the year list to this point after I finish up the top 30 gimmick. And it should surprise no one if these guys find their way into the top five, maybe even higher. Um, I don't think I could put them ahead of Kenny Omega and Hangman Page yet because those guys had what could be the match of the year against the Young Bucks and a bunch of great TV matches. I don't think I could put them ahead of Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne um, because the work that that team did early in the year was fantastic. Um you know, O'Reilly and Fish, Ackner and Bartell, all those NXT teams have been very good as well. Um, but you think about the rest of the landscape, you've got, uh, uh, I guess the Bucks are always in the mix. Violent Giants have been okay. You know, they had the title win and then they had the match against uh, Yoshitatsu and Kento Miyahara, which was very good. But, you know, without New Japan in the mix and some other promotions that aren't running, um, you know, I, I don't think any of the NOAA teams have impressed me enough this year. Uh, to where I, you know, consider calling them the, the, you know, one of the five best teams in the world. Um, so you know, this team absolutely would be in the mix. You know, I'd have them no lower than, you know, maybe fifth, and maybe a little higher than that. So, um, 
Yeah, they've been great. And, like, the cool thing about this, I mean, this match went, like, what, 22 minutes, 23 minutes or whatever. It goes by real quick. I mean, they, they have – tag team wrestling is an art. We've, we've talked about it a lot on the show and, and people that, that you know, really – because there's a lot of people that really, really like tag team wrestling. There's other people that, you know, prefer singles matches and stuff. And I get it. I get why, like – because a lot of modern people just don't know how to do tag team wrestling. It's just not very good. It's just two teams. It's just two guys thrown together. Or they're facing each other in a team. And it's just, like, they're having individual matches. It's all about, like, the – the, the the dance between tag teams and and Chango and, and Kaiju Tomato just have it man they look like they they look like they don't belong together but then they get in the ring and it's just like fucking art you know what I mean they're they're tagging at the right time there's nice double team moves they feel like such a throwback to that you know it's such a and that's why they stand out over a lot of other tag teams that I watch or a lot of tag matches that I watch you know these days or, or or I've watched over the you know recent memory is it's just like these guys they're just in lockstep with one another and that's so cool when you see it we talk about it with Fish and O'Reilly uh, in NXT all the time where it's just like it feels like there's six of them in the ring at all times because they're just they're always there they're always in the right spot they're always doing the right thing that's what i feel like when i watch the chingo and, and, and kaiji tomato it's just and i like that they they're a little different they're a little unique that they look like they wouldn't belong together that, that it kind of works for the for the team as well yeah so we had yuji okabayashi against tank nagai i was looking forward to that um they collided into each other for 22 minutes i enjoyed it exactly as much as i thought i would and it was almost exactly what i thought it would be and okabayashi wins uh, the bigger news than that is it looks like Ayato Yoshida will be the next challenger as he came out to challenge in the post-match after winning his singles match mm-hmm. earlier in the show. So, look, we've got Chris Weiss versus Hartley Jackson coming up, and we've got Yuji Okabayashi versus Ayato Yoshida coming up. So in 0-1 and 2-8 dub, to me, these are two very intriguing title matches that I will be all over both of these matches. I mean, I, I'm into it. I, they, they've, they've, they've wrote me in. With very simple booking, I'm way more into those two matches than I'll ever be into Go versus Saito. I mean, um, so I'm into this, and I think Yoshida will win. I think Ayato Yoshida will beat Okabayashi. They brought him in as an outsider. He won the title. He's got a couple defenses under his belt. This is perfect timing and everything. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. That'd be a hell of a match, man, too. Yeah, Yoshida just chopping down the tree, beating Okabayashi. And, and they've done a good job of establishing Okabayashi. Not as, like, this unstoppable killer, but a guy that's like, oh, fuck, this dude, he feels like he's above everything. You know what I mean? Like, And I mean this in a good way. They, they, they've promoted it pretty well, where it's like, this guy came in and it's like, shit, he's like, he's a fucking, he's a real star. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a real dude. Who is going to be able to beat him? How are we going to be able to beat him? So I love the idea of Yoshida being the guy that, that eventually does beat him and proves, okay, no, no, no. I, you know, this is 2AW, and I'm the new leader. And, and, and you are not better than us or bigger than us or whatever because he does in a way that it's not demeaning in the way I'm saying it but if you watch it you understand it's just like holy shit this dude you know he feels like he's from a different world than the rest of these guys yeah and Yoshida's kind of been laying in the weeds they've kept him out of the top of the card he's been working mid card they've kept him out of the tag team situation and uh, he wins a singles match here against uh, Asahi uh, on this show and to me, it's just a perfect spot. Okabayashi has had it long enough uh, for a guy coming from the outside. He comes in, wins the title, gets a couple defenses. And now here comes the guy who I think is pretty much universally considered, uh, you know, the top guy in the promotion or the biggest potential future star. He's been at the top of their cards before. And now he could vanquish this star outsider who's come in and usurped their belt. It's just the perfect story and the timing's right. The only thing I would do is make sure it's in front of fans because we're getting close in Japan to being able to run in front of some fans. So why not hold this off? And I don't know when the match is. I don't know what the date is. And maybe they are doing it for all I know. But if I'm 2AW, I want Yoshida to beat Okabayashi with fans in the building and make it 
as big of a moment as you possibly can. Now it's two AW and there's always going to be a cap on how big any moment's going to be, but you know, in their little world in their little universe, I, I would hate to see this happen in that little two AW gym. You know, I'd like to see this happen, um, you know, in front of some fans. Now, you know, the speculation is that these companies are providing shows for, uh, for the television networks and being paid for them, which is why they're all running these empty arena to begin with. And, Maybe there's some tie-in to the amount of fans that the amount of people that watch these shows. I don't know anything about that. None of that's even confirmed. Um, so maybe you do, from that perspective, want to give away some bigger matches on TV because you're trying to pop numbers. I don't know enough about it. But all of that aside, I would want Ayato Yoshida, who is effectively my ace. Let's be realistic. Yeah. Oh no, not effectively. I think he I, is for sure. I'd want him beating this. Yuji Okabayashi in front of fans, especially after Okabayashi won the title and then beat a bunch of my upper mid carters in, in, in some, in some defenses leading up to it. So, um, good stuff. Though. I can't wait for that. I, I will be into that. I'll be into that match. Yeah, I'm, I'm it, it's, it's a point of watching this two AW too. It's just a nice, easy, you put it on and it's over in an hour and a half or whatever. You're seeing some, some, some good wrestlers and some good work and everything's kind of short ish. And the stuff that's long is all good. Yeah. It's been two AW has been fun, man. I've enjoyed it. Hopefully, uh, people want us to keep up with the two AW once things come back, and I don't know. I'm not. I'm not against doing that. What of against doing what? Against like watching two AW even because there are people who are like, oh, once every you know once New Japan comes back, you guys aren't going to watch two AW anymore. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, listen. These these look. We have always attempted to cover everything. Okay, there are going to be promotions that slip through the cracks. When they, like now we're able to co- literally cover everything because there's so much not happening. It's not just New Japan; it's Ring of Honor. It's, it's there's a lot of wrestling not happening. There's no indies happening, so we're really able to get to everything. Under normal circumstances, some things are going to slip through the cracks, but you know what? What usually ends up on the show is what we think is the most interesting to us, because if we think it's interesting, there's going to be passion in the discussion. And then the discussion will be interesting for the listener. We can't just unilaterally say we're going to cover every zero one show from now on, because if zero one goes through a stretch where there's nothing going on, right? We're going to stop talking about it because we don't want to talk about it anymore. And it's going to suck when we talk about it. So yeah, it'll exactly. We will be dragging our feet through the reviews and we just won't be into it. And that's going to make for horrible radio. And the reality is that goes for nearly every company with the exception of WWE because I feel like we have to cover them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get into that now, but we just have to. And I think New Japan has kind of reached that point too. You kind of have to cover Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. Us, the way we do this show, the way we've kind of grown, yeah, we have to do New Japan. And AEW, those are the three. WWE, New Japan, and AEW have to be covered, even if they stink. Unfortunately, if AEW begins to stink, we we have to cover, we can't get around it. But with every other promotion, it's got to be an interesting con- – we have to be into it because if we're not into it, we won't be into the conversation, and then the listener is going to be bored out of their mind. And I'm not here to do bad radio that you don't want to listen to. You know, So even if you don't like these promotions, at least if we're enthusiastic about the conversations – we had a fun conversation about Noah. Maybe if you're not a Noah fan, you at least enjoyed the conversation. So – that's kind of like I can't commit to doing every 2AW because right now it happens to be interesting. I feel like we might be talking about it to the end of the third hour, even under normal circumstances with what's going on. 
Because if I saw, maybe not week to week like we do now, but if I saw a Yuji Okabayashi, Ayato Yoshida title match coming up, we'd probably slap that on the run sheet oh, and absolutely. make sure we were, and catch up. Like this show, we probably would have watched this show to catch up and then set, because that's interesting, right? But Chango and Tomato have been interesting. We've lucked out in that regard that a lot, there's interesting things happening in some of these promotions. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, that, that's kind of where it stands when it comes to some of the smaller promotions. I mean, even Dragon Gate gets bumped. That, that's the running joke. I mean, even like Dragon Gate gets bumped a lot of the time. It's just, you know, we've got to do what we think you guys are going to be the most interested in as a whole. So, anyway, we'll side diatribe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, idea of, into the, oh, pull the curtain back, what we did do here. But, uh, all right, let's get to uh, this where we have about, you know, five or so minutes left uh, in the show. And we we didn't want to lead off the show with this because it's been you know, a lot of real depressing <laughs> news as of late. We left the, instead, we led the show off with an even more depressing uh, story. But no, um, uh, the, the news had come out. And, and for people that didn't, he, we didn't talk about it last week. We had a few people saying, hey, I can't believe you guys didn't talk about this last week. To let you know, we recorded the show. What we're talking about is the, the death of Hanukkah Um, when we recorded the show last week, I think it was an ongoing story at that point as the show was going on to the point where I don't even know if I knew. I think I had seen a few little tweets as we were doing the show, but I had nothing that I could say, hey, Joe, let's stop the show and talk about this because it was like, oh, and then people are, oh, she's fine or we're good or eh, whatever. I was like, okay, whatever. And then we come to find out that, you know, that night, uh, I remember it was something like 11 p.m. or something like that. It came out that that officially um, she had passed away, that she had died at, at, at 22 um, so that we had a few people being like, I can't believe you guys didn't talk about that. And it was, it, it, you have to remember when we record the show, we try to tell you when we record it, but assume that if a giant news story happens and we don't talk about it, that it probably happened after we talked about it. So just want to put that out there. Cause I did see a few people saying that. And, uh, we do have to talk about it this week though. Although I, I will say that I think some other shows on this podcast network did a really, really great job uh, discussing it, uh, at length. I know super J cast believes they led their show off this week. Uh, discussing this news, and I think they did a really, really good job uh, with it. So there's nothing more that like we can say that they already didn't. But um, the tragedy of, of obviously a 22 year old um, taking their own life is is yeah. I mean, what 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 do you say? I mean, it it, it was just it, it was a shock when I first saw it. it when, when I saw the news, it was just like holy shit, that's unbelievable. And and you know, for it to be someone that felt like they had so much going for them, 22 years old. You know, being pushed more than they've ever been pushed before on a big TV show. You know, becoming you know really the face of 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 the Bushy Road stardom, all that sort of stuff. It just lets you know that people might feel or, or it might look like they're happy and they're having a great time and everything's going well, but but deep down, you know, there there are demons there that a lot of people have, and 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 yeah, it, it's it just it, you don't know when it's going to come. You don't know the people that you predict are feeling the way that they're going to feel. You don't know. You don't know how people feel. Uh, until you really talk to him and really deep in there, because yeah, you would assume that this 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 woman, you know, Hanakamura had everything, uh, you know, going up in her life, everything doing well in her life. You wouldn't assume that she'd be the the person. And then we, you know, we come to find out that she had been struggling with depression for years and years and years, and struggling with bowling and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, just a horrible, horrible story for for a 22 year old to take their life. It's just yeah, it was it was stunned uh, when when I saw the news. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't have. The thing about it is I, I don't believe I've ever watched Hannah Kimura wrestle. So I don't have any kind of emotional connection to this wrestler. Um, I obviously know who she is. And, you know, I know that Bushiroad had enormous plans and they were going to build the, the, the company around her. Um, but 
it's just still very sad because 22 years old and um, it just goes to show that, um, you know, the online harassment stuff, it's like, you know, these people, whether you're famous or not, it's, it, 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 they're all human and it hits everybody the same way. I mean, you know, we get that kind of stuff on a much smaller scale. Uh, not so much anymore, but in the past we used to get it very badly um, on a much, much smaller scale. And then when you extrapolate that and imagine what these people Oh, get, my God. Yeah, I can't even. Who are, who are famous. And, you know, what, you know, you know, I would get, you know, for every hundred nasty things that are said about me, I happen to be very – I'm very lucky to be thick-skinned and – I've never been diagnosed with depression or anything like that. So I can let, you know, 99 out of a hundred of the awful things people say to me roll right off my back or I make a joke about it and never think about it again, or just block the person or whatever. But there is always that one out of a hundred that will stick with you for a day or a week or a month, just because it's worded a certain way or it hit a certain nerve or whatever the case may be. And I just extrapolate that out to someone who gets multitudes more of this shit than we ever will. Anyone who's famous, any pro wrestler, anyone uh, like Hannah Kimura, who was not just a pro wrestler, but on a reality show, mm-hmm. which compounded it. And I can only imagine that if I'm getting one of these kinds of messages every couple of months that stick with me and, and, and bother me to some degree, they're getting hundreds and thousands of these terrible messages and they may they may have depression and they may not have as thick skin as I do. And I just think about how horrible that must be for people like that to constantly be barraged with this stuff and then knowing it's affecting them in a way much worse than it ever affects me, even though I'm affected by it, you know, one percent of the time. They're being affected by it, multitudes of that. And if they already have issues with self-esteem and Mm -hmm. depression, to compound it, and it's just gross. And it's never going to stop because it's just human. Humans are assholes. Right. It's not Twitter. It's not Instagram. It's it's just – it's human. It's human. (laughs) Right. Humans are shit, and humans are never going to stop with this stuff. And there are some sick fucks out there who were happy with this end result. And, and it's terrible. It's terrible. And, you know, unfortunately, social media isn't the problem, like you're saying. But it definitely makes it easier for these people to win. Right. It lets them win and it, and, it lets them do it anonymously, too, which is, is the worst And part. anonymously. And I think unfettered access to each other has proven to be a mistake. It just doesn't work. You know, it's just... And the anonymous part of it, and I don't know how – I don't have the answers. I'm not going to pretend to know how to fix it because I don't – is there a way to make these things where you have to put your name on it? I don't know. It would take a total reworking of how the internet works. It just – I don't have the answers. But you think about 22 years old, and if you are 22, it hits you on a certain level because this is a person of your age. And if you're much older than 22, like I am, and this is not meant to be insulting, 22 is a child. You've done nothing. Right. You've experienced nothing. And it, that's the saddest part. She didn't live her life. She did not live her life. I have lived six lifetimes since I was 22 years old. I mean, 
And that's the part that I thought about when I saw this, especially when it comes to someone who was so charismatic and was on their way to becoming a superstar in that country. You know, with the promotion built around them and and everything else. And it's just such a waste. It's gross. It's disgusting. And it's never going to change. I'm not going to sit here and tell you to be nice. Look, we all know that. Yeah, and I don't think I. And that's the thing too. I, I thought it, of saying, "Oh, you know," and, and, and talking about, "Hey, you, you know, your words do matter," and that sort of stuff. But I think most people listen to this show, most people listening to us right now, you're not those people. You know, what I mean, you're not, you're not. the people that are. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and, and lecture you guys because yeah, exactly. most of you get it. Most of you understand it. You're not the ones that are doing it. But that's why there, there. I don't, I don't know the answer because there are those people out there that just this. Is, These are sick fucks. Yeah, These this are is what they live fucks. for. This shit. So. They're sick fucks, and you know. I've struggled with this and I was never going to mention this publicly, but I got mail at my house one time that had, that contained a threat from this show. They're, they're just sick fucks. I've got children here. (laughs) You know, it's like, you don't like my wrestling opinions. So you're sending mail with vague threats to my house, you know, and I'm nobody rich. Think what these people deal with. Oh, I know. That's ridiculous. It's you, you extrapolate that out. You know, it's it's it, they're sick fucks, and there's no need to sit here and say, "Oh, be nice to you guys." Know that it's just never going to stop. Right, right. Well, and and like you you said too, it like amplifies it in a way too, where you know you might get a hundred people that that say shit, but that one person says something and it, it sticks with you, and it, it's like, oh my god, and it's you know it's, it's got you shook, and and the problem is like a thousand people in between that one person has said good stuff about you or enjoys your stuff, but you're always thinking about, oh man, that one person said I, I fucking suck and I should die. And like I don't know why, like, but that that like our brains are wired that way, where we care about that more than we care about the thousands of people that say, "Hey, that's really cool," you know, "I love your show," all that. And that's the that's the tragedy of it too. Is there are so many people that, and I get, it, I'm not saying that that like I wouldn't be any different because it it affects me at, at, at times too. But like you know, for her, it's like there were probably so many people supporting her, but those one the the the, the thousands of people that were telling her to kill herself or whatever, those are the ones that stuck with her for one reason or another. And yeah, yeah it, it, that's it. it we're we're just terrible creatures. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. We're fucking terrible. You know, we, we, I don't know. Humans, uh, it, 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 it's just, yeah. It, but the, the tragedy is 22 years old. It's just like, as you said, I'm trying to think back of what I was doing when I was 22. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Like I, the yeah. things I've done in my life since I was 22 is just, is, is ridiculous. That's what I mean. And, She's lived no life. Yeah. And, uh, not belittling anyone who's in their twenties or in their early twenties. You'll know. Yeah. You'll know when you're 33 and 37 and shit, you'll understand. But, and, and whatever I am, which we're not going to discuss, yeah. but I mean, she just, it's, 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 yeah. I mean, it's terrible. I, and I just wonder how for some people, I mean, I'm, I'm addicted to social media, like most of the people listening. And I don't know how younger people who are growing up with it, who are born into it, mm-hmm. you're born into it. I don't know how we get them away from that stuff. And I have children here who aren't quite ready for that stuff. And I wonder, how am I going to approach that with them? Because it can be very dangerous and, and bad for your mental health and everything. And, and um, you know, what lessons have I learned that I can pass on to them? Because I think it's it, it's fruitless to attempt – to make sure that these younger generations aren't wrapped up in it. I think it's just part of society. And, you know, we're all addicted to our phones. We're all addicted to social media. And it's just so sad that, you know, 
you know, you, you wish you, you can go back in time and someone could convince her to just delete the app. Mm-hmm. Just delete the fucking app. Right. And and that's I think that's the and, one advice I would say to anybody. And, and we tweeted it out as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get on a lecture about, hey, you guys be nice to other people or whatever. Because, again, I think most of you know that. But I will tell you, and, and I think you've said it before, you don't owe anybody shit. Fucking no. block them. Delete the app. Get if if anytime you're feeling like this is getting fucking block them, delete them, get them out of your life. You don't have to. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to. You don't have to be on. Twitter, you, you know what I mean? Like it's easier said than done. I get it. We're all addicted to it. And you and I have have went down the the rabbit hole and fought with these people for months and months and months and weeks and weeks and weeks or whatever. But like you don't know anybody's shit, man. Fucking block them and move on with your life. Don't yeah, let them affect you, you. You don't forget even an argument. You don't owe them access to your page. You don't owe anybody shit. Block them and move on. When you delete the app, these people cease to exist. You got to remember that. You delete that app, they no longer exist. They're got they're just words on a page to begin with, these people. They're an avatar and words on a page. You delete, you block them, they don't exist. You delete the app, they really don't exist. They no longer exist in your world. But we get addicted. We get addicted to the phone, we get yeah, addicted an to the apps. Boost. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there were times I deleted the app and, and, but now it's just block everybody. And yeah, there's friendly fire. And I get to the point where I block people who just like insults thrown at me. If someone insults me on Twitter and I don't just block the person that insult, I block everyone who slapped like, I, I don't I just block everyone. And it, sometimes there's friendly fire and someone will pop in our DMS and say, Hey, can you unblock so-and-so? What did they do? And I'll say, I don't even remember. I block everybody, but I'll give them a chance. But so, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about hurting feelings. They don't care about your feelings. Block everyone. Get off the app for a week. It's so refreshing when you do, too. It, like, reinvigorates you. You might talk to your family for 10 minutes. Instead <laughs> Read of a book. <laughs> Go outside. Yeah. Walk. It's weird. Finish, yeah. finish a show you started a year ago. Uh, pet your dog something hitting me real hard right now. Yeah. I I wish I would have spent all that time arguing with fucking weirdos on Twitter, petting that fucking dog who now I now have very little time left with. So that'd be my advice. Not some empty, let's all be nice to each other. Just treat it differently. Block everyone. None of them deserve anything. You don't owe anyone shit. And that's what I'll leave, leave it with. Absolutely. So that is it for us here on the Voice of Wrestling Flash of Podcast. That's Joe Lanza. I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you guys next time. Take care. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.